The lighthouse threatening the town of Otari shines no more. But the town's fate is still being written. These heroes surprised me. The heroes of Otari. The heroes of Otari bask in their stardom, but it dulls them, weakens them. They do not know the horrors that await them in the Abomination Vault. Creatures mutated beyond recognition. Things which should not be on this plane. Not to mention the horrible echoes of the past that still linger. Their weakness gives me hope. Their zealous quest gives me leverage. And they do not know the dangerous game that they are part of. Now they play into my hand. The camera fades in, the sun rises over the town of Otari. The familiar scent of coffee beans grinding and being brewed fills the air as the town wakes at sunrise for another day of lumber logging, cutting down the trees that Clovis calls home. And life goes on completely unaware of the dangers that await them beneath the abomination vaults. But not everyone's oblivious to such dangers. The heroes of Otari. You wake another morning, feeling well-rested, feeling more powerful than you were the day before. Yeah, they're all level six now. And as you rise, we get like a quick montage of you guys kind of collecting your things, packing up, heading down for another trip into the Abomination Vaults. This has become a daily occurrence for you guys. Sleeping in, waking up, and going down to seeing what more dangers you can uncover. So with that montage, everyone's packing their backpack. You set out on the road. Uh, there's a path that leads out of the town and through a swamp. It's only like a 15 minute jaunt for you guys. And as you kind of come out over the swamp, the runes of Gauntlet the lighthouse that Belcora was defeated at 500 years ago comes into view. And there's a familiar montage of you guys following the same path you've been following for the last week or two. You go through the, the keep. You go to the back of the keep where there's a, kind of a secondary building. You go down stairs into the darkness through an old abandoned workshop with a goblin floating there staring at you, our friend Borbo, down the secret passage, into the library, through the library, down where you now know is a uh, secret passage that can get you further for the first time. So instead of going through the, the disgusting, swampy, trash-ridden shoot path, you've unlocked a secret path through the corpses of the Scalithraxes and the, the dozens and dozens of bones and skeletons littering the place, down the creepy walk the huge sort of walkway, the bodies and caskets of previously slain heroes 
that tried to face Bokora and failed watching you down into the lower levels of the Abomination Vaults where there's a giant circular pit, a spiral staircase leading down. One of you chances a peek over the ridge. You can still see one level down a large worm-like creature with a sword held in his tail standing guard. Again, not looking up in your direction, but focused down as if it's trying to keep something from coming up. You retrace your steps, sneaking past the blobby flesh creatures in the cells without disturbing them, back down to where just the day before you managed to defeat a couple of poltergeists that threw a, a mad tea party for you guys. The camera kind of juts over and we see like Mukta has like a still fairly fresh cut on your head. That's not currently bleeding, but looks pretty rough. And down to the door that leads to a stairwell down. The camera fits like fixates on a little side panel that you guys have wiped clean. It says something in Undercommon that you can't read, but the subtitles below translate it for you and says the warped brew. Mukta will point out with Hal. Uh, it says uh, the warped brew, as we both speak I, Undercommon. That sounds uh, perfect for 630 in the morning. I think we should go there. It's quite early, but I could use a brew, I suppose. Um, a nice morning had, ale. I've had my coffee for today. So this this room leads down. It's a tiny stairwell that leads about 15 feet, turns 15 more feet. You guys have scouted this out the day before. You know it leads to a rowdy sort of tavern at the end because you've peeked through, you've heard. But in order to get through this, it takes you guys the better part of an hour just clearing the refuse from this sort of stairwell you found. Decades, hundreds of years worth of trash just discarded here, right? Broken wood and bones make up the majority of the debris and puddles of liquid seep into your clothing and make you guys smell terrible. That's me. <laughs> One of you sticks your eye up to the keyhole leading into the bar and you see the same thing as last time. A bar filled with kobold patrons. A large spider with a humanoid torso sticking out from the top sits casually reading a book. Unlike last time though, it's much quieter. No sounds of music ring through the hallway. And as you pull your eye away from the keyhole and turn around, you all take a moment to look at each other. And this is where I'd like to take a story beat and sort of catch up our viewers on what do your characters look like? So, Nulara, can you go ahead and describe yourself for the audience? Uh, Nulara is a human dusk walker. So, uh... Immediately, her skin, even though it started out as brown, has this uh, pretty strong shade of gray, uh, like she hasn't been under the sun for a long time. Um, tall woman um, with uh, curls tied up in a messy bun. She's wearing a breastplate. Um, and um, most of like her skin is pretty much covered in the clothes that she's wearing because she's not... Uh, very proud of the whole she's not uh, comfortable yet with the whole gray skin situation but she's slowly accepting it she got she has a bunch of weapons sheathed behind her back carrying a shield 
And she's right in the front for the uh, for the most part. As the camera like shifts away from, you know, this tough looking fighter, a slightly meeker looking figure comes into view. So, Halarmony, can you go ahead and describe yourself to the audience? What do they see at initial appearance when you come into focus? You see a young man, probably 18 to 20 years old. He's got a long flowing brown hair and a little bit of peach fuzz on his on his chin. Uh, he's carrying a beautiful uh, lute, dark woods and and warm light woods, uh, inlay at surface. Uh, he's kind of daintily watching Nulara clean all the trash out, and uh, he's like, "You're pretty, uh, you're pretty strong at this." Halarmony uh, is a six-level virtuoso bard. Very cool, and um, that continues right. The camera like then like swings past Hal, and you just see right when it turns to the side of Hal, there's just an empty frame standing there. And for a second, you're confused as to why you're not looking at anything. And then at the last second, the camera like shakes and the pans down and we see the top of Mukta's head comes into frame. Mukta, can you go ahead and describe yourself for the audience? Yes, you see a Yusoki rogue, or as some people call Ratfolk, uh, short brown fur or hair, whiskers, covered in uh, heavy robes that obscure his leathers armor underneath. Uh, the robes are mostly white and tan-colored, uh, suitable for a desert landscape. He has many daggers on the bandolier, a set of lockpicks on his side, a rapier, and a short bow on his back. And last and not least, the camera then shifts over and almost eye level with Mukta, we see a small plant-like creature flying there, a leshy. And as, and we see the foot of another figure and the camera like pans up and gives us a, f a full look at Clovis. So Clovis, can you go ahead and describe yourself to everyone? Sure. Clovis is a male half elf human, about five nine with a slender frame. Uh, his hair's long and white, falling down well past his shoulders. You can see a hint of elvish ears peeking out through his hair. Uh, he's wearing a long green leather robe that looks well-worn from his time in the winds. Many places, the dirt makes it look more brown than green. Uh, the leather is actually from the hide of a river drake that uh, he killed, a small dragon-like creature, and it has scaly surface. Uh, Clovis carries a shield in one hand, uh, fully wooden, and is covered in tree bark, and a long staff with a ghost ruin in the other hand. Uh, the gnarled wood has a sprig of mistletoe hanging from the top of it. Descriptive. So this is the scene you see all of our actors. Oh, do you want to give a quick description of Mushi? Yeah, Mushi looks like a, basically like a small tree with just like, like little, really small branches. It's just, and uh, he's my little familiar. Yep, your little leshy familiar companion. Yep. Kind of unfam un official mascot of the team, I would say. He is officially, at 6th level, is our mascot. Oh, officially. wait, that's that's true. You did take the feat, so now it's the official mascot of it's the team. official mascot, and we'll uh, talk about that in a little bit. Okay, yeah. That's yeah, a good Mookie point. We didn't... Some, uh, he some, uh, he's got some leaves on his back, and actually, you see him right now. He's flying, so those little leaves change into wings and allows him to fly, so question because i know i don't know if it's going to come up but when you pick your official mascot 
he gets to like give some of his benefits to someone else in your party, right? Yeah. Do you have? Is he giving somebody else a benefit right now? Uh, well, that's yeah. So, do you want to save it for later, or do you? Uh, no, we can do it right now. So, uh, Clovis looks at Melara. Melara. Yeah. Um, you, you've always taken a liking to to Mushi, and uh, he feels it. And uh, Mushi would like you to be able to share senses with them. So from now on, you can go into Mushi and be able oh. to look around anytime you want. You can do it uh, every 10 minutes. Uh, you can do it for about a minute at a time. Wait, I can do magic now too? You, well, you can do magic as in you can get in his head and you can see through his eyes and you can kind of control where he goes. So you, oh. you know how you ask me sometimes, can you go down and look? Yeah. Oh, okay. When, that way, when Mushi dies, you can feel it. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. That's. Wants, yeah, Mushi likes you. He wants to show that with you. Are you sure? <laughs> For yeah. the reason he's almost died a couple times. But thanks, yeah. uh, Clovis. You, That's I, really you, sweet. Keep him alive. Take note of that. And yeah, I think this is a really good time for you guys. As players, right? Because you know, once you enter this bar, once you open this door and continue, nobody has any idea what could happen. But this is your last moment to kind of get on the same page and live in this moment before we move on to the next scene. So, you know, if there's anything else you guys would like to do, otherwise, feel free to open the door when you're ready. Al, your hands are glowing. Well, hand. I, I, I need to find my way through the darkness since I can't see through Mushi's eyes anymore. Uh, or at least not like you. So, but uh, let's just go in. Come on, what could go wrong? I could play some music. It's early in the morning, but I mean, and we can liven up the party. Mukta's trying to reach the keyhole, but he's not quite tall enough. Are, are you guys sure there's a tavern behind this door in the middle of this dungeon? Yeah, yeah I don't. Yeah, that's uh, Clovis said that's what he saw. Do you need a boost? No. <laughs> I saw a stage. Uh, there was a barkeep. And a bunch of kobolds in there, all getting drunk. Big difference this morning. All quiet. Interesting. I mean, I always love a good tavern, so. And get Rick uh, yeah, and get uh, Hal to play some Caroline, maybe this morning. Bum, bum, bum. Let's go. I see the wind. <laughs> all right. So, who's opening the door? Mokta said that he was trying to open it. I guess I was there trying to see the keyhole anyway, so I will check for... I'm always checking for traps. Yes. Um, Go ahead, give me a secret perception check. This will be the first roll of our Gen Con stream. Come on, Smog, don't do me wrong. Oh, I thought I did that secret, but I guess not. Oh. I think it's secret for me and you, but not for everyone else, maybe. That's fine. Yeah, you... So, you give it a good once-over... Definitely neglected from not being used very often, but not trapped at all. And I will open the door and after you, my friends. As you go to open the door, you say that, right? There's like a cut and the whole screen, the camera goes completely black. And then we see the door open in towards the tavern, revealing the tavern beyond. The warped view comes into focus and the camera floats into the room and begins panning around, revealing itself to the audience, not necessarily to the characters, but to the audience as a whole. 
Polished wooden tables, chairs, and a long wooden bar mark this chamber as a tavern. The smell of spilled beer and fried morsels pervades the room. In the southeast corner, an elevated stage overlooks the setting. Doors lead out of this room along all four walls, including a double door to the west, which looks to be the main entrance. Spoiler alert, you guys did not use the front door coming into this place. <laughs> the camera settles on a trio of Morlocks, or, as our heroes would identify them, kobolds. Engaging in a game of cards, we can see a smattering of gold, silver, an oversized golden tooth, and even a fossilized tuna skeleton resting on the table. They all stop what they're doing, each nervously looking in your direction. This would be the moment where there's like background music and then the DJ goes scratch and like the whole party comes to a halt as everyone's eyes is just locked right on you guys, right? We can see, like, as they all stop and, like, nervously look at you, one of the three looks around and uses this moment to casually lean over and get a sneak peek at his uh, opponent's cards. The camera shifts back behind them, and we can see a barkeep, another Morlock, cleaning dishes with, with what looks like a moldy-looking rag. His giant, oversized eyes look around nervously. From you and glancing in the direction of this large spider woman. The camera shifts over and we can see the giant stomach of a drider. Only we can't see it at first. The camera has to pan up a long time to reveal her whole large visage. She sits at a table or more realistically hovers tall over it as she casually reads her book. As the camera settles on her face and the book comes down a little bit, we can see she barely looks over the top in your direction. And when the book moves, we get a good look at her horrific face. Her forehead is covered in multiple eyes like a spider, and her mouth is flanked with what looks like mandibles. Venom drips from her fangs menacingly. She casually opens her mouth and speaks in undercommon, Breaking this tense moment. Are you here to cause trouble? The camera shifts into view with her in the foreground, focused on your tiny self, Mukta, in the doorway with the group kind of coming down this trash-filled stairwell leading into the tavern. The room grows quiet, waiting for your response. I don't, uh, I don't want to cause any trouble, nor do my friends. Uh, I know it might be early, but perhaps I can... I engage you with some music since nothing is happening. Um, but we are here too. My friend Mukta here, he would like a morning beer. Uh, I don't know for the rest of you, but we want to come in and uh, rest our weary legs from tripsing up and down these steps. And as she like waits for this response, she just gives like the slightest of nods and she's like, come on in surface dwellers. And she just like her, her book goes back up over her face and she returns to reading her book. Um, and slowly, like everyone kind of like casually, the, the scene kind of goes back to everything that was happening before. The kobolds go back to playing cards. The barkeep is like sitting behind the bar. Uh, you glance around. There's plenty of empty tables here in the room. What would you like to do? Uh, one of them, too, right? Sitting over there, like they're eyeing you how because you're talking about playing music and you got your instrument on. You can see one of them is like lingering on you like a bit. Seem to really latch on to that idea of playing. Actually, were you speaking in undercommon when you responded, Hal? Uh, yes, I would be. Okay. Since, the, since I know the kobolds speak uh, undercommon as well. 
Right. So then everyone understood you, what you said. Yeah, yeah. The the moment breaks, one of these Morlocks slash Kobolds is staring in your direction. What would you guys like to do? Uh, let's go, friends. Let's uh, pick a, a seat? seat next to the stage. Yeah. Let's go yeah. Ahead. This looks good. Closes his jaw as he was not able to respond to this horrific creature that had to talk to him. <laughs> <laughs> I gathered uh, we're okay to just stay here. Couldn't understand what they were saying. Oh, they just want to know we want to make troubles or not. We don't want no mm. troubles, of course. That's for later. Okay. They said they want to eat mushy, though. Oh. That's the they price do? to pay, Enter. They do? Yes, we have. They specifically yeah. said that uh, you and Ulara have to give them mushy. But you can look in Mushi's eyes when he goes in the tunnel see how it looks. I'm going to kill them if they kill Mushi. No, no. I, 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 I joke. No trouble, huh? <laughs> so yeah, there's plenty of space here in the bar for uh, you guys to sit. The barkeep kind of wanders back from around. He still, he approaches you guys fairly cautiously, his head's down. He seems to stand like a good six, seven feet away with his eyes like kind of towards the ground. Almost, you could just read his body language, right? He's very nervous to have strangers like you in this place. Uh, can I, can I get you something? Uh, you said drinks? We have some stew, something warm to start your day. Uh, yeah, that would be great. Uh, as long as it's not made of something disgusting. Oh no, just the finest of fungi. Clovis, my Clovis, do you? What do you feel about fungi? Oh, might like. I, I always like a fun guy. <laughs> I've been hanging out with Otaru too much. Uh, I think Otaru got inside of him somehow. Uh, ales as well. Uh, an ale just for me. Um, can I use recall knowledge? Uh -huh. Ooh, uh, my tavern lore to try to discern what sort of fun guys they've been using in their stew. <laughs> of course. Yes. Do you actually have tavern lore? Uh, cavern lore. Cavern. cavern lore. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a, a, a recall. I, I heard tavern lore, but cavern lore also kind of works yeah, here. Yeah. You know, it's the same thing. It's not far off here. So yes, please give me that recall knowledge check. That'd be a nineteen. <sighs> It's not uncommon for a lot of these sort of creatures to subsist on actual funguses and things. People that live in caverns, especially like these kobolds that you know oh so well, they prefer meat. You know that they are like not picky about the sorts of meats they eat, but that's also not out of the realm of possibility for them to be eating mushrooms. Magic. So, and also I will point out the pun on fungi doesn't work in undercommon like it does in common. Are we They're definitely like a... referring to mushrooms. Sorry, go ahead. Are we in a pretty private, like, spot in the tavern? Like, let's say if we talk amongst ourselves, would other people be able to hear it? The unfortunate uh, setup here is there is really no privacy. It's it's not the biggest room, and there's no private alcoves and stuff. You do have the option. You guys are kind of going. I, I assume you took the table the closest to the door when you came in, so you are furthest away from everyone. But there's enough ambient noise here that if you lean in and whisper, it'd be pretty hard for somebody to really hear you. But why don't you give me a perception check, Nular? Okay. That would be... Okay. 18. I think what you pick up with an 18 is... You're pretty sure 
everyone is more concerned with what's going on at their own table and less mm -hmm. concerned with you. The only person that seems to put any concern on you right now is this barkeep who's kind of went off to get you guys your fungi stew and ales. So not private by any means. You don't feel like you're in a private booth. There's no seclusion, but you just seem to be, nobody really seems to care that much about you guys, except for the one Morlock looking over that has not yet broken eye contact with Hal and side eyes him. We already made enemies here, Hal. I, I, I don't think that's enemies. Maybe they made friends, right? Maybe we should uh, go, or at least I should go over, talk to them, see if they want me to play something for them. Um, you know, we could always start off with the Wonderwall and uh, move on to the Morning Glory since it's the morning time. That that kobold over there seems to take a liking to you, Hal. Oh, yeah. let me go see what he has to say. And uh, Hal will stand up and walk over there. Uh, mm -hmm. And then they're coming. Uh, Hello, friends. Uh, I'm going to play some of the music here. Would you like to uh, hear something that uh, perhaps I can play for you? Here's my uh, song list. It's quite <laughs> long, and I'll unfurl a scroll that rolls out onto the floor. Just pick one. Let me know. Uh, so You're looking at me like you know me. Well, so here's the thing. As you walk over that way, right, they're having a conversation that you kind of stumble into and you can hear one of them like loudly complaining to the rest. And they're they're just saying, like, why haven't we been picked yet? Come on. We've been here for like, what, six months? Seriously, it's getting a little ridiculous, isn't it? And then you kind of stumble in and hear that. And then like they kind of turn and look at you. Right. And listen to your whole spiel. The scroll rolls out, tumbles under their like chair. They're looking down. The one that's like kind of been meekishly keeping an eye on you the whole time. That's been pretty quiet. Kind of like makes eye contact with you and just kind of says, uh, do, uh, do you know any Shadow Malice songs? Uh, I'm probably, probably, uh, maybe you can hum the tune. I can pick it up by ear. Oh, uh, I've never tried to sing before. Wait, maybe, maybe like this. Um, <laughs> let's see <laughs> this this kobold slash morlock. Ooh, with the sixteen gives a pretty decent rendition of a a fairly high pitched, uh, nasally sort of sounding voice. Takes on feminine tones in a sense, but the the thing that catches you the most, how is just how aggressive the vocals are to this sort of tune it's singing. It's like going on and on about like flank skin, you know, worship the devil, like all this like hard stuff. It it like physically like hurts your ears in a way. And uh, Mukta, for just a second, as you hear this voice kind of going on, you get a, in the back of your mind as this song washes over you, there's a slight familiar sensation a recognition that you kind of look in the direction, but then you realize it's just this stupid kobold singing and, and it, that, that moment fleets past you. Uh, do, do you know that one? Uh, I, I think I can do it as far as you here. Let me go over to the stage and I'll go on the stage and you know, crack my knuckles and get ready to play and I will play Wonderwall because that's the only song I know. <laughs> so you start heading for the stage and then you hear that and you turn and look the book comes down from that giant like spiders like eyes the drider as she looks at you and she says the stage is for performers only you need manager's permission uh, uh who's the manager you don't want to meet him her sorry you don't want to meet her okay uh well maybe uh you can give me a description perhaps if they show up here i can go ahead and ask them um mm -hmm. but uh Fair enough. Uh, I was just going to 
play my good friend Kobold over there uh, a song for him. Uh, tiny build, blue skin, clear, visible organs, tattered shirt. Can't miss her. Vishari. fantastic. Vishari. Okay. If you'd like, like uh, I could summon her if there's going to be trouble. No, there's not going to be trouble. I just want to play a little, little ditty here in the morning for my friends. But uh, if that's not fine, we'll just have some food and maybe go on our way. Yeah, so it, it seems like what this drider is saying is like, don't dare step on that stage. Like, step on the stage at your own risk kind of thing, right? You get the sense watching this in her body language, and you've been around taverns enough to know, she's very clearly the bouncer of this place. Okay, friend, uh, I will uh, sit down and soup on my sip on my soup. Okay. Yeah, and around that time, Hal comes back to the table, and you guys all watch this unfold. The barkeep comes out and puts down this platter, four bowls of stew, uh, full of um, mostly you see like like giant chunks of cut up mushroom and a very thick sort of blackish broth like placed down in front of each of you. It's piping hot, steam kind of comes off, no spoons or anything like that. And he puts a lump of like very moldy, like bread on the middle of the table. And then uh, also slides like, you know, the house ale to each one of you and says, ah, bone appetite. And then like skitters back towards the bar. And he stops and he goes, shall I just open a tab? I don't know how you do this on the surface. Uh, how much for, for, our, for our bill? Maybe we pay up front first. Four silver. Uh, sure. Murta will hand over four silver. There's a bit of, like, you see, like, his eyes go big, and, like, he, like, scoops up the four silver and looks at it, and he's like, oh, well, thank you. And then, like, hurries off. There's a slight impression you might have overpaid a bit. That's right. Might have overpaid a bit, Mukta. <laughs> Sometimes it's better, Nulara, to, uh, overpay in a new place, so, um, they like you a bit better. Huh? Oh, well, keep that in mind. The okay, surface so of your stew as you look down, like it definitely is like thick. It's hard to see. It's so thick you can't really see the contents of it. But there's like a layer of like an oily like film at the top. Like it's definitely, it smells decent and it definitely smells like mushroom, but not appealing by surface level food standards, right? Not nearly as good as anything you could get in uh, Otari. Okay, so we've been aware that's that, you know, like there's a bunch of kobolds underground here under under the gauntlet. But um, this is I did not expect this. I didn't know that such creatures enjoyed taverns. Yeah. So, I mean, we know that Bokora built this and that she had followers, so. I didn't know it was an entirely complete community that, you know, they have their own ecosystem here. It is kind of a shock, right? Don't we'll what? nod and try a bit of the stew. Yep, so you, like, tip the bowl back. The broth hits you and you're bracing for, like, the worst. Actually, if anything, it, it's a little strong on the fungi flavor. It's definitely got that, like, dirt taste to it. But surprisingly, not terrible. The, the smell and the look betrays its taste. It's passable. Oh, you guys wasn't, uh, wasn't too bad. Mm -hmm. Oh, hey, how? 
you definitely have had worse, right? And as you take more and more, um, you actually uh, feel like something like not a mushroom, like like soft, and you like drinking and you bite down. There's little tiny like pieces of meat. Not pri- it's not hugely meat. It's not a primarily a meat dish, but there are little chunks of meat floating around in the stew that kind of get caught between your teeth, Mukta. I pause for a moment <laughs> and then don't think about it any harder. Oh, that's disgusting. We said vegetables on it. Did you I, say I anything, though? <laughs> no. Not no. to anyone. Yeah, I've already ate it, so I'm not going to say anything until everyone else has. Oh. Nice. So is anyone else trying the soup? Mukta seems to enjoy it. Yeah, not bad. Clovis <clears throat> is drinking it. Nice. Yeah, so Clovis, you get the same thing. The Primarily mushrooms. The mushroom, the thing is not bad, especially in terms... Uh, there's definitely like some skill to the flavors that are being combined here. However, after a few sips, you too get like a bite of that like soft meat texture, and you can feel the meat kind of in between your teeth. Uh, spit it back on my bowl. Hey guys, be careful. There is some meat in this, and uh, I'm sure we know where all that came from. Clovis, you're no fun. Uh, I'm going to pass on this stuff. No thanks. I push my ball in. Here you go, Mukta. And I'll push it in front of him and take his other ball. Um, all right. Uh, hope we, uh, since you paid for it, I figure you meant as well eat your fill so it doesn't go to waste. Thank you. Uh, I, I'll have some of these rations once we leave. You, you better be careful. They might have like a corkage fee or something here. <laughs> You'll have to explain to me what that might be. I'm, you know. <laughs> I'm not so sure. I'm not. Uh, I'm down on. Not down on the etiquette below the above, below the, the lighthouse. Perhaps I mean, some uh, some more uh, some establishments. You know, they don't. Uh, if they allow outside food or drink, sometimes you have to pay a small amount to be able to consume it in their establishment. Huh? Hmm. It's quite a common what... practice in Katapesh. They don't have that here. Uh, I usually when I go to a tavern, I go to play, and they they. Give me some water. Well, at least now they can give me some ale, but in the past, they used to give me some water and uh, so whatever the meal of the day was, it was usually some kind of bread and stew, but it wasn't like that kind of stuff. Okay. Uh, at this uh, moment, right at the table next to you, you hear someone like kind of speak over like, like, hey, settle a bet for us. What? What kind, what kind of work about? are you guys waiting to get done? Like you, he points at you, Nulara, like, I, 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 Figure you're here for a new face, but the rest of you, what are you here to get done? Uh, he, is he speaking common or under common? Under common. Oh, I don't understand what you're saying. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, he said, um, he really likes saying- face, Nulara. Um, <laughs> you talking shit? <laughs> The, the bouncer, like, you raise your voice a little bit, the bouncer, just, like, the eyes come over the top of the book as she, like, you feel that gaze, right? Like, all eight eyes, like, right on you, Nilar. She I'm says, fine. you, my friend, are the shit. Uh, and that's what she's here for. Um, just so you know, there's a line, okay? You gotta wait your turn. We're here first. We get to go first. I really don't understand what they're saying. What the hell? What are they? Uh, I have no idea what they're saying either. Uh, I don't know. Uh, did, they said something about the line. Um, I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for their food. But we already got their food, so maybe we skipped the line, so maybe they're mad at us. Maybe they're mad at you. You think? I mean, 
I, 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 I didn't tell them to serve me first. I just gave them four silver. Maybe because I overpaid, they thought that we should go first. That is probably true. If somebody wants to pay me more money for to play a song, it's going to jump in the queue. I'm just saying. I, I, I don't want to start trouble in here. We, we made good friends with these kobolds before, so... Uh, that is true. Maybe you go ask him what kind of line it is. And that, and, uh, that's, that spider lady kind of gives me the creeps, not going to lie. Mm. Yeah, whenever I see spiders, they usually have these little things that they round up in their silk, and compared to her size to your size, you're like the perfect size. Well, don't get close. And like the, you guys are having this little back and forth, right? And then as you look up, you realize everyone at that table has still waiting for a response to their question. So like a whole like the whole table is just watching you guys have this side conversation in a language they don't understand. And like the one that's been quiet, like there's three, right? One's one is the one that's like asking about music. One's this one that's asked about the bet. This last one that hasn't spoken up yet says, "Is it the tail? Scorpion tail would look pretty badass on that." I, I kind of wrap my tail around me and hold it like I don't <laughs> want a scorpion tail. <laughs> uh, maybe, maybe you should talk to them. You had good luck with these kobolds before, huh? Uh, okay, uh, friend. Um, the lady over there said we uh, can play until the manager comes down and approves our playing. Um, so whenever that happens, maybe if we're still here, we can play that for you. Um, but uh, do you see their like eyes light up and they're like you? You, you're interested in, in playing? It's like... I mean, sure, we can play, but uh, she said the manager has to approve. Uh, but they don't want to... Uh, maybe she sleeps late and don't want to wake her up in the morning, so we're going to let her sleep while we sit well, here and rest our weary You're legs. going over this, right? One of the ones in the back, like the, the, kobold, the kobold, stands up so fast, the chair he was standing in tumbles over and hits the back of the ground. His hands go in the air, and in another car, he yells, Challengers! What is he saying? Shadow Malice Challengers! Shadow Malice Challengers! And then the three kobolds all start chanting in unison, and we can just see the, like, drider over there. All eight of her eyes give the heaviest, like, eye roll over the top of her book, and this chant starts picking up. Um, I don't know. They said they really like me, and they want me to play some music. Isn't that right, Mokta? The barkeep here is like, like puts down like the glasses, like he's like, I'll go see if they're ready. And he darts out the little back door. The door swings. The barkeep disappears behind the bar. Uh, Hello, Marie. I don't think they were talking about the same. You there might have been a bit of a dis. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm just so Mm. confused. I have no idea what's happening. They look look excited. Look, what did Hal say to Um... They said, uh, challenger. <laughs> you see, like, now the drider has, like, put down her book and has it on the table, like, just closed in front of her. And she's leaned back and she's just, like, slightly shaking her head. And she's like, do you know what you've gotten yourself into? I go, I guess we're going to find out what we get to do. Is it, like, uh, a, uh, dueling at the crossroads or the taverns of the crossroad maybe um and like as she's about to answer there's like a pause as you hear like a voice like off screen like a loud kind of shrilly voice that's like 
what's all this ruckus about? And the door like swings open and just kind of coming back with the barkeep, uh, the door swings and we see coming into view a Yasoki woman steps out from behind the bar. Her eyes are definitely like, it's like sleepy. You can tell she's just been woken up. Her tail kind of curls around here and she goes, what's this about challengers? Little rat folk wearing tattered clothes. And like in just this moment when she comes into view, the whole room gets like quiet and all the sound drowns out. The whole room grows completely dark and it's like a spotlight is shining on this Yasoki and everything else fades away and this slow sort of like dreamy music starts up and the camera turns and across the entire dark bar, the only other thing visible shining in its own spotlight is Mukta. And there's this like look from Mukta to this this rat folk and the camera kind of goes right into Mukta's face through his eye and we kind of like do a quick fade into a slight flashback here. So Mukta, can you for a second maybe describe just briefly what is playing in Mukta's head right now? So Mukta sees this Yusoki woman enter the room. The room gets quiet and the, his, the room kind of fades into darkness in Mukta's mind. And all Mukta sees <clears throat> is a similar scene more than about a decade ago. A small casino. As Mukta enters a room with a stage, tables, a similar setup to this. And a, a younger Mukta looks out and hears this beautiful singing and turns his head and sees the most beautiful Yasoki he has ever seen in his life. And then the scene fades back. Yep, and as it comes now. back, the lights come back up, the noise comes back up, and we see now it was not an actual sort of like light change, sound change. This was all like Mukta's sort of perspective, right? And zoom, everything kind of comes back into snap. And the camera kind of pulls out from like Mukta's face for just a second. And uh, the Yasoki is over, over there, um, like looks over in this direction and uh, says, which one of you are the challengers? And she kind of starts wandering a little groggily in your direction. Mukta. Snap out of it, friend. What the... Are you going to be the challenger? Are you guys going to dance? There's, there's no response from Mukta. I think, actually, your back is kind of to her, so you've turned back around, so she hasn't gotten a good look at you, you know? I've turned my chair, and I'm... <laughs> this was in common? Uh, no, it was all in undercommon. You know what, uh, Clovis, the next time we go <laughs> up, I'm going to freaking study undercommon, because this is so frustrating. <laughs> Uh, They're not. I'll try the soup. (laughs) Yeah, you try the soup and you get a little bit of that meat stuck in your teeth. Mm. Oh, and uh, so uh, this this raffle kind of walks over and then you hear you can hear the jingling. She's covered in like belts and clips. You hear the jingling and then it's like a stop. And then she's like in common, she says. Mukta, is that you? And then again, like at the beginning, record scratch, everyone at the whole table like stops and sees this moment play out. Uh, right. Uh, right. It's, uh, it's been quite a while. Hey, now. 
yeah, she, she's like, huh. I see you've made it out of that cell. <laughs> I, uh, I was not there long. You know me. Unfortunately, uh, I do, yes. You've been, been well? She looks around and you see, you know, the the de- derelict location that she's like in this underground dungeon dive bar and she's like slight degradation from my last gig wouldn't you say it seems nice here the soup's not bad she laughs she's like yeah it's so hard for a gal to get proper work when her integrity is in question no I'm. It's been so long, Mook, to come here, and she like smiles and comes over and goes to give you like a hug. I hand goes to the apiary for a moment. Um, just, <laughs> just the the pommel as she comes closer and mm-hmm. mm. uh, she comes in, uh, gives you a, a, a slight hug. But there's just like you can feel the hug, and it's like it's mostly for show, right? It's just kind of like she gives you the hug. She kind of, like, grabs you on the back and just pinches a little too hard with her little, like, claw paw right on your shoulder. Good to see you. Now, what's this business? I mean, I gotta say, you're the last person I expected to see here. Or ever again, for that matter. Uh, the, the feeling is mutual right up, but... Uh, and then Mukta's face turns very serious, and he, it, it is good to see you. Her... Like, kind of like stony visage softens just a bit. And you can see she's like kind of mulling it over before she snaps back to like her kind of hard self. And she's like, So you guys. And like, she's like, she raises her hand, and over in the corner, the Morlocks have been chanting challengers for like three minutes straight. And she just holds up a hand, and they all quiet at this point. And she's like, I'm guessing you're not the challenger because you never had much of a singing voice though you did have a way with words well uh, no I, but I always appreciated a good song uh, we're not quite sure what uh, we're challenging here but well it's simple my band against yours showdown on the stage <laughs> You are. Ah, you, you're still singing then, huh? Never stopped. Well, no, I'm not. I'm not the challenger. Um, my friend Halarmony here, though, has uh, quite the natural instrument, huh? She kind of gives you like a nod. There's a little bit of respect here because you got the instrument. She's like, not a bad instrument you have there. She's like looking at you, Hal. Oh, thank you. Uh, what is this uh, challenge? Do I play and you guys have a dance-off in the middle? You know, it'd be a shame to not get the whole group in on the act. And she smiles, and she looks over Nulara and Clovis and everyone, and she's like, let's oh. give them a show. What do you say, Mukta? For old time's sake? <laughs> this I got to see. And she, like, turns around, and she, like, announces in the bar, and she's like, in undercom, and she says, It's on! And she, like, leaves you, like, one last tap on the shoulder and leaves you and disappears back towards behind the bar. And you hear the Morlocks going, yeah, battle. And, uh, yeah. I'm going to just quickly turn my head to the group and say, keep your guard up. 
Right. So, so yeah. So reaction, like mm -hmm. when a new friend all of a sudden like meets their ex and then you're just like, what? What's happening? So as she leaves, right, she leaves you guys back to your own sort of devices and to do like a last minute thing to either prepare for the what's going to happen, but also reflect on exactly what just happened. This would be a good yeah. moment. Ruka, who, who the hell is that? Her name is Raita. Is that her last name? <laughs> no. Um, she's an old... Uh, She's one of the queens. Oh. Um, yeah, you could say uh, we might have been, yeah. Mm. So that's the person that you used to sing a bit with? Oh, yeah. He did say something about that. Yeah. I tried to sing. She uh, tolerated it, but uh, mm. no, she's quite a good singer. If this is some sort of challenge, Hal, you better bring your A-game. Also, I'm not sure. Part of me can't believe that this is just coincidence, huh? So, keep on your guard. Okay. Uh, yeah, so, like, uh, you see, like, the, the kobolds that were over there betting on cards. They're now betting on who's going to win the battle. But, like, the fight has become... Nobody wants to bet against Shadow... Like, the Shadow Malice, the house band. They all are, like, arguing over... Like, no, no, you should bet... Like, you know, nobody will take the challenger side of the bet. So it's a, it's an argument amongst themselves. All trying to bet for the same band. So you guys definitely don't have fans here. Uh, I'm going to walk over towards the table. Uh -huh. One gold for the challengers. They, they all jump to take that bet and they they all, you know, fight over it and one of them, like, snatches up your gold and says, deal, and sticks out his hand for a shake. Shakes, and he's like, oh, this is a nice hand. I don't know why you, you're not getting rid of this, are you? And he's like, shaking your hand as he, like, looks at it and holds it a little too longer. You give my hand and my tail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so one by one, uh, Rita and the rest of the crew, like all kind of like step from that, like back behind the, the stage. You got like the Zolgath, like Lutus, like rocking out. We've got like a second Lutus with the like giant head wrap, just the eyes peeking out the grayish skin. There's a Duragar with like a Mohawk in the back that has this whole drum set, like a marching band drum strapped to their shoulder and they come walking out with it. It's actually, they come in and they can't get through the door because it's too big and they actually stop and like fold it in and it collapses into a smaller drum and lets them get through the door and then they go up on stage and unfurl it into like a full-on drum set. Uh, how are you going to go up against that whole band by yourself? Huh. I think, um, I think, I think they... Mukta, that uh, it's going to be a, like a, uh, like a group, a, like a band. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm so, going to uh, down my ale. Is it? Uh, is it in like a glass? Uh, yeah, it is actually. I'm going to pull out one of my Thieves Tools kit and like, all right, I'm ready. <laughs> nice. Yeah, no, you got the glass instrument ready to go. So uh, the, the sort of like room quiets as this tension builds. The, the band goes up, gets all their instruments set up. They, you know, just, just for reference, their names. We have... Um, Rita, who is like the Yusoki lead singer of the band. We have Knox, who is the person wearing the head wrap. We have Golzash, who's like the Zolgath that's like 
as he comes up, like walks past you, there's just a waft of stench that kind of stifles and like makes that stew want to come back up. And then the uh, Duragar drummer is named Kragala, and uh, they've set themselves up like on the stage. Rita kind of comes over and she says, like more to like the crowd than to you directly, but it's being addressed at you and kind of specifically Mukta, right? Like, you want to challenge us, Shadow Malice? <laughs> Let's get to it. We'll each face off one on one. Each pair squares off with some kind of show. Music, acrobatic tricks, displays of strength, whatever. Then we perform as two groups. Mine first, then yours. And we'll let the crowd tell us who's the best. And you smile and look and you see like over there, like pushing the tables out to clear like a mosh pit. All of this, all these Moloch slash kobolds have gone into their bags and put on their Shadow Malice like fan gear on. They've all got Shadow Malice t-shirts. And uh, there's like somehow like a merchant just popped up in the corner and is selling like band posters and stuff. This all happened so very quickly. It did happen so very quickly. And in that moment, as Rita or sorry, Rita steps up on stage, she snaps her fingers and like the light that's been glowing, right? The light that's been kind of lighting this room up for you guys. The light goes dark and one by one, all these giant colorful lights start popping up all around the scene, like lighting the room, almost like this bright flashing iridescent colors that just magically fill the air. And with one final snap, a super bright light fills the stage. And this whole dark, dimly lit arena has, or tavern, is now become a underground rave. Congratulations, you guys. I was really not expecting this. Oh, I mean, how do we even approach it? Hal, do you have any tips? Kragala is like up on stage, right? With the drums. And then uh, Kragala is like, all right. Kragala's at first. Who's challenging Kragala? Looking around at like all of you guys, like right as like looking and wants to know who's going to go challenge this, this Duragur drummer. All right. And I think this is a good time as Kragala starts playing. Makes it really hard to hear. I'm going to go ahead and add some ambient music to the mix to give a sense of what exactly their sound sounds like. I look towards the group. I can go first. Uh, just once I start the beat, if you guys could keep it going, huh? Okay. Yeah. This stage, just to be clear, this stage is individual challenges. It's like one-on-one -on -one competitions. So it's just you, Mukta, versus Kragala. And, and as you start walking towards the stage, Rita puts her hand on her hip and kind of cocks her to the side. She says, avoiding me... Again, aren't you? Uh, I can never com compete with your singing, huh? Hal, in the back, one of these Morlocks slash kobolds like moshes in you and like almost knocks you over before reeling off and like slamming off the wall. There's a Morlock mosh pit going on in the back of this tavern. Mukta joins the stage. So Kragala has just got this full drum set they folded out and got these two giant drumsticks that almost look like hammers and are just just beating out this high intensity like you know we're talking like super metal 
poison the well, or is it poison the... I don't remember. It's, it's basically like... Like, it hurts. Like, the vibrations physically echo out. And it's some of the harshest music you guys have ever had the chance of hearing. Music's but, me a headache. But Mukta, what are you doing to counteract this? Like, you can choose the skill, right? It doesn't have to be music. Okay. Some kind of performance, some kind of skill, acrobatic show of strength. What are you using to challenge this guy to get the crowd on your side? So I put down my glass, put back my one of my thieves' tools, and uh, I listen to the beat for a moment of his drums. Okay. And then on each of his beat, I start to do somersaults and go on one hand and kind of almost like break dance, <laughs> like break dance moves, but more acrobatics, like okay. go on one hand and like hop on one hand, jump back to my feet, do a backflip, do, do acrobatics to each beat of the drum. Of course. Now, as I'm assuming you are making an acrobatics check. That's what I was hoping for. <laughs> then yes. Go ahead, Mukta. Give us an acrobatics check. So bring it on. Ooh. It's a nice dice. So with a total of 30, you rock it. You, exactly how you picture it going in your head, it goes. This isn't a critical success, but it is a success. So... The crowd who's expecting to cheer for Shadow Malice, they're moshing. One of, they actually kind of stop and they're like, look, check out those moves. And then they all begin to try to emulate Mukta's like breakdancing style on the floor. And you can see Raida like kind of like looking like, like sour faced, angry. And then uh, for just a moment, that like angry sort of visage like fades again. And we see her just kind of smile as she's lost in just a glimpse of a previous life that's so long ago as she watches you dance and then as she catches herself allowing herself to even think of that she hardens again and goes back to sour face and mukta you have successfully defeated this counterpart in in combat so that counts as one we'll just say we'll just keep track right you don't know what it means yet but you have one success going into this challenge Good job, mukta. So, Kragula gets off the stage, leaves the drum set, looks kind of angry at himself, goes and s puts the arms against the wall and slouches against it super angrily. And um, up next, this Golzash, the lutist, steps up and begins to, like, riff with, like, a, like an electric guitar solo. Who, and, like, Raida's like, who's next? Bukta walking off the stage, looks to his left and sees Raida and looks to his right and sees the Dryder and... Uh, and then walks towards the creepy spider creature. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, so spider creature. Will, uh, yeah, Clovis can go. I'll go Alright, Clovis yeah. and Mushi, I'm assuming, in tow, kind of step to the stage. Yeah, Mushi's over in the mosh pit, so he's flying okay. down. And so he flies down, and then, like, the two pole bolts go to kind of, like, smash into him in uh -huh. the mosh pit, and they fly straight up, and they just can crack their heads together very nice very nice so clovis you step on the stage you got this elect the sick guitar solo going on what is clovis doing to uh to compete how are you putting on a uh, uh, I'll do, uh nature and uh he's going to as he's playing the guitar i'm just going to be doing wolf howls into the beat <laughs> you know okay How? 
Got it. So you are emulating. Okay, perfect. Uh, you know what? I'll allow it. Give me your nature check there, Clovis. 26. So as he's riffing and you do the wolf howls over the top, you hear from the back of the room these moshing kobolds slash morlocks. They all kind of like join your pack for just a moment, Clovis. How howling over the like loud music. That is also a success. Nice. And you've managed to get the uh, the uh, the you've won this battle as well against all odds with your wolf howling. <laughs> you see like Golzash like looks really angry and he actually like, he like turns to the drum set around him. He actually smashes his guitar against the like drum set just once and you see here like splintering of wood and he like has this deep guttural like kind of like <sighs> as he walks past you Clovis and jumps off the stage angrily yeah and then uh, Nox sets up on the stage the other lutist I can go alright oh a loot unless how you want to go loot against loot uh, I think I should uh, like uh, maybe wait for Mukta's girlfriend Okay. Go against her. She can sing really good, and uh, you know, I don't want you to have to sing for her. So maybe you go. Oh no. Okay. You can go throw this guys off the stage. I keep calling this a loot. <laughs> Technically, Knox has a theorbo, which I'm not familiar with because I'm not a music person. But it's a guitar-like thing. But in this case, it's made out of metal. It's like got like spikes on it. It's a metal-looking theorbo. Uh, begins to do the kind of thing where uh, Nox drops to the knees and like walks across the stage on their knees as they're like nee, 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 just rocking it as hard as they can. What is Nulara doing to counter this? Uh, so I pull my sleeves up, unsheathe my sword, uh, I unsheathe Uncor's blade, and then I essentially do like my morning team daily warm up with my sword, just doing this all over, and then I'm doing my blockings all over the stage. Going full Conan. Uh -huh. <laughs> so what kind of check would you like to translate this into? So I pulled up my sleeves. I, I want to try Intimidate. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Give yeah. us that Intimidate check. And I got a plus one because I'm a bait. Of course. Yeah, you know, so. I'll just roll a d20. <laughs> so, yeah, you've got this Intimidating presence going on. Ooh, very nice. Uh, 29. 29. Awesome. Uh -huh. Definitely a success like the rest. Your stage presence is enough to overpower even this awesome performance that they're giving. And uh, yeah, you've intensified the moshing and uh, one of them like picks up a chair and starts swinging it like you're doing your sword and like smashes it over the back of the other one. And you hear, woo! And like actually one of them like catches Mushi right in the face with another chair. <laughs> the hey! Mushi looks okay. Mushi's like, I'm okay, and starts dancing. The mod pit, he's over That's three successes. Not bad, guys. So last but not least, as Nox steps off the stage angrily, how you make your way, and you and Rita are like locking eyes as she looks up at you and steps onto the stage. Woo! You can do it, Hal. You can do it. You notice here she doesn't have any instrument in her hand, right? So, mm -hmm. so she looks at you. And um, for the first time, you see her, she takes a deep breath and there's like this kind of like humming that like radiates from the back of her throat. And as she begins to sing loudly, you can tell it's like magically amplified, overpowers everything in the room, drowns everything out. She has a very powerful voice. 
and she just sings really loud, trying to drown out your music. Hal, what are you doing, and what kind of check are you making? I will be making a performance check. Okay. And doing, trying to counter her performance while she's singing, too. So while this is happening, Mukta mm-hmm. is going to take a seat at a table closer to the front of the stage. Uh-huh. And uh, for one of the first times ever in public, you guys have never really seen him, he takes off his deep hood. So his, his face is clearly visible. And he's just going to stare, try to stare right uh, in the eyes. And yeah, she, you, you see she, her eyes catch yours from the stage as like, you know, just hearing this voice sing takes you back a decade, Mukta. And she belts out this like heavy guttural like rock tune, which is definitely not the exact voice that you were expecting to hear. But how? What are you doing? I will uh, start uh, singing the song I wrote for Caroline uh, and uh, playing along with it. And I want to make a performance check. Please, please do. Now, if a bard can't win a battle underground in a tavern full of Morlocks talking about weird dismemberment, I mean, what's the point of making a bard in the first place, right? I don't know. Let's find out. Let's see if the dice agree. That is a 31. 31. That's not bad. That is definitely a success. It is not a critical success. So as you begin to like, so you're singing as well and playing or just singing? I forgot. Both. uh, Both. Both. So your voice kind of, you managed to find the harmony within this, this guttural yell music and slip in a sweet serenade to Caroline that just f- mingles with her sound and flows amazingly. So much so that that Rita has to like lower her voice as your song, like the emotion goes out and washes over her. And you see the briefest of tears in Rita's eyes, like down her little like rat cheek as she uh, is caught in the beauty of your song, Hal. And that is a success. You guys have four successes in this battle of the bands. Suddenly, like the camera, like goes over to the corner, and we see like the merchant is like full of like shadow malice gears. Like suddenly, they've like thrown half of it out, and half the booth is now dedicated to the heroes of Atari. And you all have your own like band T-shirts like up and a poster. That's so fast. It just says it just says hot. <laughs> yeah, hot. H O T. Hot. And uh, there's like a very like. Uh, sensual picture of like Clovis like on the beach hot perfect like yeah how do they get this set up so fast and uh yeah so then then like it cuts back and then uh Rita is like angry and she's like we can't lose on our home turf and so then she says final stage performance time musical showdown everyone needs to get on that stage and perform together as a band. And uh, she like forcibly shoves you off the stage, Hal. Like, ah! And uh, her and the band step up on stage and just put together this heavy metal, perfectly choreographed routine that they've done in their life, probably in this bar specifically, a hundred times, once a day, every day, for months and months and months. And it has partially 
the skill of somebody that has done something so many times that they're really good at it. But honestly, there's a bit of that, like, just going through the motions, like, oh, we're doing this again, like, great. But everyone except for Ryda. Ryda is focused. Ryda wants this. She needs to beat you guys. She, If she doesn't have this, then what does she have in her life? And they get up and give, especially her, the performance of her life. And it riles the crowd. They all rip off their hot shirts, throw them over, and then they all have, like, you know, uh, Shadow Malice t-shirts on underneath again. And they all step off the stage, leave their instruments up there, and look to you guys and say, a little bit out of breath, good luck beating that. And then they stop and say, the stage is for performers. And this time, she makes it very clear, you have to perform on instruments using performance checks. I don't have an in They no, left they their instruments their on stage, instruments. right? Oh, so there's okay. there's the the theobo, there's the lute, there's the full on drum set, and Rita or sorry, Rita didn't have an instrument, she just sang. So there's three instruments on stage. One of us will get behind the drums and the low. Lucy flies over with them. He's gonna help. So okay. Yeah, you head back to the drum set. It's folded out. It's a full-on drum set, so you sit on the stool. There's like a dozen drums and cymbals all around you. All right, that leaves three instruments oh. or two instruments, and this and Hal has his own instrument. What did you say, Theobaldo? <laughs> Theobo. It's almost like a. Theobo. Think of it like a. We're oh, gonna Theobo. flavor this. It's a stand-up bass. Oh yeah, I wanna take that. And then the other one was a lute. You said. Uh, yes. Mukta will take that as it... He looks at the strings and it's... Kind of... I'll think of it as a short bow, huh? <laughs> Not a bad thing. Um, and the name reminds you of money. It does stink. You actually... The interesting thing as you hold this, like, loot, uh, Mukta, and you're looking down at it, even though it's functional as an instrument, the sides are so set in with, like, blades and spikes and razors and stuff, you feel like this would double equally strong as a weapon as it would as an instrument. This instrument you're holding does not give you any musical benefit, but Nulara, you're going to get a, an extra plus one because you're holding a virtuoso instrument as well. So you get plus one oh. to your performance check, Nulara. Can I um, follow in it? Can I just follow Hal here? Well... That's a good point, right? We are in sort of this exploration phase. There is this exploration activity called follow the expert, right? Yeah. How? Yeah. I'm, I don't even know what I have to ask. Are you an expert in performance? <laughs> I you am did. an expert. There you go. Of course. I figured you were. So yeah, absolutely. You can use follow the expert. It's like the lowest modifiers. It's, it's you. So it's not like a group stick. So you use your level as a proficiency bonus to the skill check, even if you're untrained. So, Hal, you're an expert, right? That is correct. And you guys are level six? Yes. So, you guys, essentially, by following the expert and following Hal's lead, you can add a plus eight to your performance check by using follow the expert. Is it plus, plus eight, eight on top of your performance? No, instead. Out? So if you have a higher oh, performance, you don't need to follow the expert, you can use your own. Okay. Yeah. Also, Nulara, since you get a plus one from Virtuoso, technically you have a plus nine on this roll. Yes. So, does who's following Hal's lead and who's using their own performance? Um, 
Clovis is going to be using his own performance. Okay. As will Mukta. Ooh. I'll follow you, Hal. All right, let's go. So following their lead, I need performance checks from everyone. Let's blow the, the roof off this house. Come on, guys. Let's go. All right, here we go. One person is making the actor performance check. In this case, I'm assuming it's Hal because you're like the leader and the bard. Everyone else is using aid to aid his role. So it comes down to Hal's role. So your roles are actually aids. So Muji got 27. That's going to give Hal a plus one on his role. Clovis got a 21. It's actually uh, considered a fail. So that's going to take the plus one away and bring it down to zero. Nulara. 20. 20, you also fail this check, which gives it a, uh, a minus one. So in total, Hal, unfortunately, with your backup ban, not as bad as it could have been. No one critically failed. No one brought you down a lot, but you get a minus one to your circumstance, or it's, it's a minus one adjustment to your roll. However, coming into this, you won all four head-on-head rolls. So that gives you a plus four. So in total, for the whole performance, you're coming down to a plus three circumstance bonus on top of whatever your natural roll is. Hal, this is make or break time. In chat, give us your energy. Hal needs this roll. Can he do it? (laughs) Come on, Harry, you can do it. Come on, come on, come on. Oh boy. Plus three, plus four, right? 35 total. Yes. Let's How you managed to turn your group's imperfections into bonuses here. You managed to play off of it and embrace a little bit of the chaos in their rock music. And you've you've gotten a feel for it. And you channel that into your own unique blend of hard metal rock and, uh, you know, happy go lucky show tune music and rock the hell out of the house. This is a critical success, you guys. Let's go, let's see those crits in chat. Yeah, crits in chat, the the scene kind of like ends, the music dies down, the camera pans over to the, uh, the the merchant booth, Shadow Mouse gear, there's a giant trash can with like a fire burning, all the Shadow Mouse gear is being burned. The only thing they sell now is Heroes of Atari gear. And like, get your Heroes of Atari swimsuit calendar, like on the wall. And uh, cuts you back. You can be hot. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> and it cuts back to you guys. And there's this, this moment where you guys are on stage, dripping sweat. Rita, the rest of the Shadow Malice is behind there. And against all odds, against all sort of like judgment for herself, she can't help but start a clap. And she claps for you guys. And then, like, turns and looks, and you can see the rest of the band begrudgingly follows her lead and begins clapping as well. And then everyone in the back, all the Morlocks, are crawling over themselves. They're holding out scraps of paper. They want your autographs. Rita says, well, congratulations. You've won, I guess. Once again, Mukta, you come out on top. Mukta does not look happy right now, actually. He looks quite sad. But she, she, she like looks at you as you guys are all holding their instruments, right? The ones you're using, and, and she, point, she kind of points to you. And she says, "You've earned our instruments. It's the rules. Keep them. They're yours." There's this like sort of slightly solemn, slightly energetic moment. Most of the the, the tavern, everyone is like really happy. The music's died down. The drider has like rolled her eyes and gone back to reading her book. 
and uh, we kind of do like a, a slight fade to black, but in that like quick moment, right? Like uh, Rida like looks across and she sees your sadness, Mukta, and she gives you the slightest of smiles and nods and then stops and says, drinks to celebrate. And everyone like erupts and we fade to black. And that is the end of that Battle of the Band scene. Congratulations to the heroes of Atari for defeating Shadow Malice in critical success and earning the instruments. So if you want to take the instruments, I can drag them to your character sheets. They can be pretty heavy. I don't know how much bulk you guys are carrying now or if you want to take them. You but like Nulara had a virtuoso them. instrument. You know, you know they're pretty pricey. Uh, Clovis mm -hmm. had a full-on drum set. The cool thing about your drum set is it folds down to one bulk but you can actually unfold it like a magical item and it becomes a full-on drum set. And there's some magical abilities to that too. And Mukta, your loot not only works as a musical instrument, but also as a weapon, so you can hit things with it. It's a battle loot, a plus one striking battle loot. Uh, Mukta will look at it and um, how you, I mean, I'm not really going to play this ever again, but how mm. you could maybe use this, uh, keep it on you. Okay. I can have like two of them, like the one on top of the other, and then I play the one and it plays the other. So it's like, yeah. kind of like double loot in the heart. There mm -hmm. you go. And then nice. I'm going to lean into it towards Nolara. Plus, it smells terrible. It really does. I mean, I don't know what to do with this thing. You okay? Ah, uh, of course. I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm fine. Why would Why wouldn't I be? <laughs> you tell me. Let's go have that drink first. Okay. I mean, we don't have to talk about it here. There's always up. His voice is, you know, given out a bit after that awesome performance. So <laughs> Yeah, Got understandable. Uh, we see that some time has passed. All the tables in the bar have kind of been pushed together. It's one big celebration. Your brand new fans are all intermingled with the rest of you guys, like all of the Kobold slash Morlocks all wearing the Heroes of Atari merchandise that they spent all their hard-earned silver on. Which is weird because you guys didn't even license this out, so this is just bootleg stuff being sold at your concert, right? Like, you didn't get a cut of this. But that's a problem for another day. That's a side quest for another day. We kind of see, like, intermingled. It's you guys and the band and these Morlocks all just happy-go-lucky celebrating I imagine like Mukta and Rida are kind of sitting across from each other and not next to each other, but casually sharing glances every now and then. If, uh, yeah, if there's a bit of a more quiet corner of a table, Mukta would uh, maybe motion for Rida to sit there with him. Do me a favor, Mukta. Mm -hmm. Make a persuasion check. Also, I want to say how because you crit succeeded on your uh, performance check, you're going to take an extra hero point for the second half of tonight's show. Hey, I, we're going to have a battle. <laughs> Persuasion. I'm so good. That is that diplomacy? Sorry, that's my 5e bleeding through. It is diplomacy. Yes. Wonderful. Amazing. It's okay. The we're not thing. playing on Paizo's channel or anything. The and if you, like us, are just learning Pathfinder, we're a good resource to learn along the game. You got five years of that other system ingrained in your blood. Sometimes it slips out. One of like the the few skills I'm not trained in. All right, let's go. <laughs> Bring it, Mukta. Get your crit fails ready in chat. That's a five. Hero point. So, yeah. yeah. 
So you, no. you try to motion right over to this, like kind of like made the thing just a little motion towards this like table that's kind of sitting in the thing. And she looks at you and she just gives you like a head shake and just goes right back to like talking to the person next to her. You've been denied, Mukta. Understandable. Um, Mukta sighs kind of legisla and uh, heads back to the group. Yeah, defeated. Uh, so at this point, right, like you guys are all like, Riding the high of actually like winning this battle and like earning this this sort of instrument, it's like at this moment, uh, Nulara, you feel something strange sitting here in the aftermath of the celebration. In the celebration, you feel like a kicking beneath the table, like something kicked you in your shin. I check. Yeah, you lean under the desk and you're like, what the hell is that? You look, who's playing footsies with me, right? Nobody's there. No legs are near you at all, and you're looking at like. You got enough space around you. Nothing should be kicking you. And then, as you're looking in this blank space, you feel it again, like a sharp pain, as something like almost kicks you in the shin again. Ow! And you look down, and you don't see anything, but you feel a bit of pressure, like on your leg, not like kicking this time. Almost like something is like touching your leg. What? And uh, yeah, and as you do that, right, you feel a voice fills your head loud enough to drown out the rest of the room. So this voice becomes so loud echoing around in your brain that everything else just goes to like a low whisper around you. Hey, hey, use anybody home? Hello up there. Who are you? Name's Sezik. We need to talk. Got some real important business to discuss. Where Plus, are you? I'm, I'm, I'm under the table. I, I thought it'd be better if I'm not seen. I'm invisible. Oh, oh okay. Don't you notice how this works? No, you tell me. Listen, you're going to say something. I don't think you want to hang around here too long. Unless you want to end up like old mandibles over there. And you look up and you can see the like derider woman. No, I wasn't planning on it. Meet me in the back storage room behind the bar where we can have a little more privacy. And you feel the touch release from your leg. Immediately, the entire room sounds floods back into your ears, overwhelming all your senses. And um, like you, you like almost startled by this. Behind the bar, uh, you kind of like look, and there's a door behind the bar, not that led to where the band kind of came out of, but a separate like storage room. And almost imperceptibly, the door opens just a little bit as this invisible thing slips through, and the door swings closed. Someone wants our attention, our time. I say to the group. I didn't see anybody. No, they were in my head. Mm. It seemed a little pressing. Also, I mean, Mokta, um, do you want us to stay? Do you want us to go? Because if you want to go, we have an out. I'm, I'm sorry, what? Okay, let's... How are you good? All right, let's go to the... We'll, we'll go to the where, where, Why are we going to the storage room? Someone was... This dude named Sezik. Do you know a Sezik? No, I don't know any Sezik. We'll meet him. Yeah, so you, you say that, right? And you, like, stand up. And, like, as the four of you inconspicuously stand up from this table in the celebration, everyone notices, right? Like, oh, where are you going? Off so soon? You were going to sing Sweet Caroline again. And, like, one of them is, like, like laying, like, right, fawning <laughs> over you, how? <laughs> he has to rest his voice. Yeah. We're, uh, we're, yeah, we're going to go um, plan our next performance for a moment. Um, kind of do a you know group huddle. Yeah, I mean that's we'll, that's fine. We'll be, we'll be back. 
you're you're basically getting up from this party and like disappearing into the employees only section of the bar. It's not subtle. Like everyone sees you going back there, including the drider who is the bouncer. But as you kind of do that and start making your way, nobody questions it too much. They're all they're all drinking, they're all talking, celebrating. You guys are celebrities now. You guys can do whatever the hell you want in this place and no one's going to stop you. And the bouncer is just regulated to like, yeah, well, you guys are kings of this place now. You can do whatever you want and goes back to reading the book. And for the first time, like you get a good look at it, uh, Mukta, as you swing by the drider. It's a book. It's like drow erotica, like a graphic novel. Nice. Hey, good for you. The cover is very explicit. Mukta, finally um, beating his uh, fear of this creature before going back there kind of turns for a moment. Is it any good? The best one yet? Are you a subscriber? Oh, but uh, should I be? <laughs> uh, yeah, this book is it's published by my favorite drow erotica publisher, Paizo. You should become a subscriber today. Uh, I, I definitely should subscribe. You save and you get free PDF copies if you subscribe. In addition to a hard copy in the mail every month. What a deal. Can't be beat. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. So, so you guys do this, right? You guys disappear. You go into the back of the uh, of the room through the door, right? As you step into the back, the door closes behind you, swinging, muffling some of the sound. As you, so you start going to the bar. The barkeep looks at you. You looks like he maybe was going to say something about stopping you, but he makes no effort to even stop you. And you hear him mutter under his breath, like, "I don't get paid enough to deal with this shit." As he turns away from your direction, turns his back to you and lets you guys go behind the bar without even trying to stop you, despite the fact it's his job to stop you. The band is celebrating with the Morlocks. They've gone back to each other. Uh, you slip away into the back. The door swings. It closes behind you, muffling a bit of the loud rowdiness coming from the other room. This dirty kitchen has a lit stove covered in oil stains and gristle. The heavy scent of like a thick smoke fills the air. Your brain again goes back to you guys burning a statue in a temple just a few days ago. And you're, you, that smoke immediately brings back that memory. Alcos line the north end of this room and you see baskets and baskets with various fungi, mushrooms, mold, like different types of fungi, giant mushrooms, tiny mushrooms. Very clearly the same mushrooms that you got in your soup. However, the thing that catches your eye more are the wall lined with meat hooks, a few which seem to be occupied. One contains a gnome hanging upside down, sitting still and not moving. The other contains a gray-skinned creature muffling something to herself under her breath. You can see as she wiggles there on the hook, she's clearly missing a hand. Your eyes go back to the stove, to the stew that's brewing. And for a moment, there is no more wondering where that meat came from in your stew. Mukta pointedly does not look at any of the... He, he, as he, he catches a glimpse and then immediately does not look at anything. There. Right. And... Oh, like, trying not to throw up. You're startled again, Nulara, by the voice. This time, not in your head, but in your ears. A small imp manifests from thin air. So a tiny imp has a pair of goat feet attached to her tiny humanoid body. She gives a smile. Sezix, the name. Charmed, I'm sure. To meet you. I gotta ask, 
What the hells are you doing down here anyway? She's just addressing the group as a whole. She doesn't seem to be necessarily talking to one person in particular. We've been trying to find out more about the gauntlet. What are you doing here? If you're going to help me help you, I need to know what your goals are. Surface dwellers tend to not last long around here. We've managed so far. Also, you're the one that came to us. So I'm assuming you're the one that needed something. Not the other way around. Yes. Well, I've so got a problem. I've got you. I've got to pro- help help you help me help you. Is is that what you're saying? Are you, are, you you see like a, some like a slight bit of like panic. Uh, yeah, all right. Okay. All right. So you're, you're tough. I, I see. I see. I've got a propositions for you. You see, you have a big problem down here and you don't even know it. My master a shrewd devil named Eurevian controls the jail level. He sealed off access to the lower vaults, getting tired of the meddlesome drow, or worse, wandering up from below. Without his approval, our entire army stands between you and going lower. There's no ways down. Unless, and she smiles, Unless we go against your master? Hmm. Eurevian has lost a bit of his edge, you see. He's had us trapped down here for 500 years now. We can't go home until his promises of raising Absalom to the ground is complete. And yet, the master flesh warper Jafaki from this level doesn't let us pass. And Eurevian won't wipe them out and march on Absalom. He just sits and schemes, plots, always plannings, never acting. Enough is enough. It's time for actions, I say. So what mm-hmm. are you offering exactly? Mm-hmm. Ah, straight to the point. Like a business deal, I like it. You see, I could never take direct action against my boss. It wouldn't be legal, you see. But... There's nothing that says I have to stop you from doing it. So that's the offer. You help me by killing my boss, and I help you by letting you pass deeper and continue your quest. You leave us alone, we leave you alone. Sounds like a pretty good deal to me. You can guarantee that uh, this army of your master will not oppose us while down there? Absolutely. Well bit of a catch there uh once the masters is dealt with and i assume leadership they'll have to listen to me i am i am his assistant so per the contract law in the event of his demise until his superior can appoint a representative to take a spot it falls to me and yes i guarantee you safe passage and how do we get to this boss of yours before if uh, there's an army standing between us and him well I can help with that I can get you to him sort of there is a catch you see he's uh sealed himself up in his office to open it we need two pendants he only gives them out to people he can trust she kind of like shows under her little like outfit and she has a little pendant around her neck now, that's the rub. There's not another lot I can trust in our endeavor. But he made a critical mistake. 
He sent one of his lieutenants out yesterday's on a mission, and he was captured. Him and his pendant. And she, like, taps her brain. Captured by Jafaki's lackeys, no doubt. Probably there in his laboratory now. He'd never pass up an opportunity to experiment on something as unique as us. Ah, so you get the pendant. You come back to me. We go down. I vouch for you to get you to the office. We open it. You kill my boss. I unseal the lower vaults. Bada bing, bada boom. Life goes on. What do you, what do you say? And you guarantee our safety going both down and coming back up from your level, yes? Absolutely. In fact, she like snaps her finger and a scroll like appears in thin air with like a puff of brimstone. We can make it all legal if you like. What uh, what language is this uh, contract written in? Uh, it's written in common, believe it or not. If you don't mind, I'd like to take a look. Sure. So why don't you, Mukta, go ahead and do me a favor and give me an investigation check. Well, hang on, hang on. So it's a decipher writing check. Dancy 86, society or legal lore. If it's yeah. society, then uh, I'll have Hulk. <laughs> Maybe Hulk. <laughs> yeah, let's just do society. Well, Mukta will look over it for a moment and uh, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't even focus on this right now. Uh, Hal, why don't you take a look? Still it's shot okay. his voice. I just why need you to read. Why don't you go ahead and give a society check, Hal? He looks over the contract. Yeah, the mumbling gets louder. Like that that one uh, gray skinned creature, like on the meat hook in the back, is like mumbling. And like one of them has made eye con- trying to make eye contact with you, Mukta. No, no, no. Yeah, one of them has tried to make eye contact with you, Mukta, and tried really hard to say like, the the colored man. He did it. He's very brightly colored. He takes hands. Okay, from a, a natural one and a nine, re-rolled into a 20 using your hero point. Yeah, I think that's enough to decipher it pretty well. So you feel like you got a pretty good handle on it, Hal. The contract is very clear. It stipulates that so long as you are working in their service, and by working in their service, you mean not actively trying to impede Sezik from her goal of overthrowing her boss, that she will work to aid you in all manners possible. And it even includes a clause that says if you're successful, that she, for the period of 30 days, gives you free access through the the level. And that's the real catch here. She tried to slip past. She's agreeing to let you guys pass, but she's put on this hidden clause of it only being for 30 days, like one month. What do you think, Hal? Is thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, that's a bit confusing. Um... <laughs> What 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 part looks iffy? Can you point it out to me? Yeah. He... <laughs> so you, you see here where it's, it says like it's hidden in, in very legal language, which is trying to hide the fact that the period of time is not indefinite as it originally implies. But there's like an addendum at the bottom that amends the contract to state that the period of time indefinite here to fourth means 30 days in the context of this contract. Back to our 30 days. This section here. Your killing your boss seems like a pretty um, permanent solution to your problem, huh? Yes. So we would like a permanent guarantee of our safety. Clever. 
pulls out, like, manifests, like, a little quill, licks it, and then begins, like, unending the contract to state that indefinite does not mean 30 days. Indefinite actually means indefinite. So long as Sezik is in control of the lair, or of the, of the, the army, you have free rights to pass. That's uh, the best I can offer. Does it say you, or does it say the group? Ah, uh, it says you. It says the group, but as you look closer, then it's an enemy at the bottom says the group herefore refers to the undersigned and the undersigned only. No guarantees extend to companions of the undersigned. So we all have to sign this then, huh? That's one way to get around it, yeah. If you want the protections fully, then yes. This is something we all have to sign as I look towards the group. Any objections to this? This is a literal deal with the devil, so... This is just a formality. I can, uh... Bada-bing, bada-boom, inject some of my goodwill into you and help you on your endeavor. I wouldn't send you in empty-handed. <laughs> Perhaps a little bit of luck on your side? A little twist of fate to nudge you in the right direction? What do you say? My mother always said, never trust the goodwill of a devil. True. And his mom has a lot of wisdom. But if this leads well, us I mean, to... If you'd rather take your chances and face the army heads on and the entire armies of flesh warp creatures between here and there, by all means. I'm sure they love to turn you into some interesting meat puppets. I don't mind signing. Does anyone else have any objections? I don't. We need to save Absalom. Clovis? I don't I don't like it, but I understand. Um, I will sign it. Yeah. All right. So. Technically, right? Really, she's only asking for one of you to sign, but Mook just pointed out, he's caught the, the loophole here, which is, if you don't sign, you're not necessarily guaranteed the protections. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it's up to you if you sign or not. Mook the signs. Alright. Mook should come down and sign too with me. Alright. I think she has like a... <laughs> Preprint. Yeah. <laughs> yep, so one by one, you guys all sign your names to the contract. Sizik looks it up, nods, poofs, the contract disappears into like a puff of brimstone. She says, excellent, excellent. I guess we can proceed now. My offer still stands. If you'd like a little extra or something, I can give you a little bit of my luck. And she like rubs her hands and she's like, who needs some luck? Um, catch? No catch. Always a catch I want you to succeed, of course. Why would I include a catch? If you want to make a perception check, Mukta, you can. Like a sense motives here. There's a sense motive perception. All right. Ooh. That is a 32. Okay, so in this case, that's a critical success here. So there is a catch that you don't know what it is, but you see the read the body language in the face and know how tricky this thing is. There is most definitely a catch to whatever they're offering. Ah, I trust in my own skill, not your luck. Thank you. And I just turn towards the group and I just shake my head. No. Yeah. And so then says, okay, your funerals. Now that that business is out of the way and now that we're all friends, let's talk business. I know of two ways to get to Jafaki's laboratory. 500 years of scouting and information. A lot of devils have died for the information, but we can put it to good use. One, I take it you've seen that big behemoth in the arena? We have. Yeah, Jafaki's failed experiments. 
Every time some of his flesh warping fails, he tosses it there into that arena. The thing grows bigger, gets stronger. It's the direct, it's the most direct route, but it's also the most dangerous. My preferred approach, the sneakier approach, is through uh, Belcora's little zoo. You see, she had two pet hydras she kept there. And uh, Jafaki, he keeps breeding them and still has two of his own. Uses them for harvesting medicinal supplies and whatnot. Our spy there knows a way in. All she has to do is get by them, quietly, if possible. And bada bing, you make contact with my contact. He shows you the way through. The pendant is ours. So what do you want to do? Would it be easy to get in contact with your contact? Yes, it just got... You just, you just have to get past the Hydra? Ah. Uh, so you know, the Hydra it, is the less dangerous option. Yes. Well, you seem like a sneaky lot. And there's four Hydras, correct? Or just the two that Jafaki owns? Two. But so, sneak Bak- past two Bakura Hydras. had two. They've since died, but Jafaki has continued the breeding program and uh, set them up in their own nice natural habitat. And what should we know about this uh, Jafaki, huh? Oh, don't fail. You've seen some of the creatures that guard the stairwells around here, I'm assuming? Mm -hmm. Humanoid in shape, but something's not quite right? Mm -hmm. That's what he considers a successful experiment. But his uh, abilities in fighting... Is there anything we should be worried about? I would be lying if I said no, and we're on the same team now, so he is quite combat capable. He has an army of flesh warp creatures at his command. Morlocks, driders, you know, all manners of creation that stand between us and him. If it was that easy, we would have done it 500 years ago. But there's a difference between an army marching on another army and a covert strike team making and in, in, like inserting themselves into the right place at the right time. That's that's what our army needs right now. We need some outside the box thinking that Eurevian just isn't capable of. And uh, we need this amulet more than we need Jafaki dead, yes? Yes. Jafaki dead is a bonus. All we need technically is the amulet. All right. I... I vote we take the uh, sneaker out, of course, but uh, that's just me. He can take the lead on this one. Seems you need a distraction. Mm. Yep. You're not wrong. Mm. Okay, so where so do we find it's, it's settled. this? I can take you. I can take you slot to the zoo. That's that's the ways we're that's going. We might need to um, let our fans know that uh, we have to put a hold on our second performance, unless you can get us out of this room. Uh, sorry, is the only the way we need to go is out the front door. Right. Tell you what, so. use lot. You take all the time you need. I'll meet you in the hallway, and then the little imp says it goes invisible, and the door swings, leaving you guys here for a moment in privacy. Can I unhook that gray-skinned creature off the hook? Yeah. So you head over. And um, as you go to the gray creature, uh, she reaches out for you and like her little like stump, her like cauterized stump is like reaching and trying to grab you. And he's hey. like, he takes the hands. He takes them. He's always in my head. Always. 
but he, she's speaking in undercommon, so you don't understand a word she's I saying. I don't understand you. <laughs> okay. I gotta go. Leave. As you take her off, um, she immediately like like looks around, looks at you, and then like looks down at like the mushrooms oh. and like picks one up and begins like sniffing it and just begins licking it like. What are you doing? Like it's a lollipop. Just leave. And then the, looks and turns and you, you see like the little like um, the little gnome that's hanging there. And you see her like eyes lock on the gnome and she licks her lips and she starts going for the gnome. Oh, my Lanta. Okay. Let's let's meet up with Cezik. I got her out of the hook. <laughs> so you guys like move out of the back room and in the back as the door swings, we see like a horror movie. The, the gracing creature getting closer and closer before it like descends and starts devouring the gnome. Lara's like, my work here is done. <laughs> and strides out of the room. <laughs> she seems set on her goal. Mucha's the last one out and doesn't even notice this uh, creature going to town. So yeah, your fans are here. The guys come back into the room. They're like, hey! And like eyes locked on you. Um, hey! At this point, you see for the first time the sort of manager, this blue-skinned creature, uh, arms folded, like clear skin, like the internal organs, the stomach, intestines, everything is visible through this clear skin as it just kind of like stares at you. It says, surface dwellers, huh? It's nice to meet you. We prefer to go by the hots, but yes. We don't like your kind around here. Why don't you get your stuff and skedaddle? Hey, we're already on our way. I'm going to go towards the, the kobolds um, that I made a bet with. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's right. Oh, yeah. So you go over to the kobolds, and they're looking at you, and they're all starstruck, and they're like, Oh, Mukta, are you going to teach us some more moves? Like, trying to break dance? Yeah, here's one. Where's my gold? I'll do you one better. They reach down, and they take that, like, oversized gold tooth and plop it into the middle of your hand. It's worth five gold. All right. Something to remember us by? Uh, sure. And I walk away. You hear, like, a voice called back to you, like, uh, Mukta. And it's Rita's voice. I was actually going to walk towards her anyway. Okay. So, so yeah. you walk towards her, and then she's, like, like walking towards you, and you guys kind of, like, have that, like, awkward moment where you're both about to go towards each other, and, like, no one knows, like, who to make the first move, and then you kind of, like, come face to face. You, uh, you leaving again? I look down and then look up and duty calls, unfortunately. She reaches out and she, like, takes your hand. And she's like, you can't, you can't leave me here. You know how terrible this place is? Oh, I'm basically, I'm basically a prisoner here. Nowhere to go. How did you get here? answered some flyers in Dio Bell. House band needed. Thought it was a good gig. Next thing you know, they rounded us up, took us into some boats, took us down to some sea caves off the coast of some hillbilly town called Otari, led us through the caves, down some stairs here, and said, keep these, keep this lot entertained, is basically, our, our goal is to placate these Morlocks. They do things to them. You don't understand. They experiment on them. They're nothing more than fodder. And I know when he runs out and she grips you like a little tighter, she's like, we'll be next. 
The thing is, we're not leaving right now, but uh, we may be able to solve your problem where we're going. You can see a similar, like, kind of, like, heartbroken look that you saw the last time you saw her face as you stared back at her from the inside of a jail cell, her on the outside, before she disappeared from your life forever. That same look. I take her hand, I take my other hand and put it on hers as well, so I'm, like, kind of holding her hand like this. Where I'm going right now is too dangerous to bring you. But if I'm alive, after this, I'll come back for you. I came back for you then, but you were already gone. I'm sorry, Raita. Do me a favor here. You guys got some tumultuous history between you two. You have, you've had good times, you've had great times, you've had terrible times. Let's do a... We're just going to do another diplomacy check. But in this case, I'm giving you a plus two circumstance bonus. Oh. Oh, that's <laughs> Plus two. All right. You know what? I'm going to use a hero point. You're going to use yes. this hero point. Spend <laughs> it. There's nothing better to spend hero points on than awesome roleplay moments. Hero. Hero. Hero point. Hero point. Who needs it to fight Hydra? Make her believe point. you. Yeah. Your love. I believed you. That's why I gave you the circumstance bonus. That's a okay. 16. Yeah. So the, her immediate reaction, she slaps you across the face. Oh, boy. And then immediately grabs you and gives you a kiss. And then slaps you again and pushes you away and says, just go. And she turns away from you and like rushes back towards her like dressing room behind the bar. In her hand is the the tooth, the gold tooth. The gold tooth? Mm-hmm. Okay. I will give the gold tooth. I'll take it from you and give it to Rita. <laughs> okay. Uh, Mukta, you look back and the rest of your crew is kind of sitting there looking at you watching this unfold. I turn back to them and I say, let's get this job done. Huh? Okay. Yep. And so you step into the hallway, right? Um, leave the, the kind of murky tavern behind. Sezik appears in the hallway. Ah, took you long enough. Let's go. Time's a-wasting. Very impatient for someone that's been waiting for 500 years. Yeah, so generally what, what Sezik does is gives you the kind of guided tour. And so as she uh, guides you through this uh, sort of like hallways, yeah, you guys start heading back and you, with your war and navigation sense Mukta you begin to realize the, the way the twists and the turns you're kind of heading back right towards that central spiral staircase the one that you know contains that giant worm-like creature that's guarding it right and so you begin to get a little nervous about about the situation but you know Sezik is just like you know Shh, be quiet we'll be okay we're not safe to talk here and Sezik kind of leads you and you find yourself under a pit and you look up and you can see like shoddy, rusty grates with like weird hooks and contraptions above you. And you know, you're below that room that had the, the floor that would fall if you had gone into it where you got the bow for Hal. You're right below that. And you look up and, and you know, see that sort of above you and you kind of place yourself. So the other side of this door, your eyes turn to the right. The other side of this door right here, Mukta you know that giant worm creature is guarding that door. So any loud moves here would definitely draw some attention. 
I just turned the door open. Yep. But Sezek leads you instead to the door opposite that and opens this like tiny room that on the other side, it turns from a dungeon type element into a more natural cavern with like stairs kind of carved into the ground leading down. And so Sezek like leads you all down that way. Basically what you see is an open cavern. It's a rocky cave, mossy walls, pebble strewn cavern. Above you is a window, like a giant, I say window, right? It's the same stonework we've seen. The walls are basically opaque, right? You can see through, it's like stonework that some kind of magic allows you to see through. And as you look up, you can see one of those weird humanoid flesh warp creatures that you fought, those moaning pitiful things, chained to the railing going along it. And it's looking at you and it's like, it's trying to get you through the stonework, but it can't. And you can't hear it because it's one story up and it's also very like quiet through the stone. And Sezik points across this and the camera pans across the room. And what you see is a large watery cave. And within that cave, two hydras, 10 heads sleeping on top of the water. Each hydra has five heads. There's two of them filling the lake. They look to be currently like asleep. And Sezik, like you look at the rocky shoreline, it drops into that large pool. There's several stalactites. Above the where the hydras are sleeping, you can see five shafts that like rain light down from above. It looks like something, some room above has ways to like feed or, you know, drop things down into the hydra pit. But you find yourself in a sort of natural environment that these hydras are kept. It's almost like going to like the zoo and seeing polar bears like stuck in like San Diego. You know what I mean? Like not at all where they should be and it's like 80 degrees outside and the polar bears are just looking really sad and just sleep all day that's what it looks like so this cavern is lit then yes we can see i'm gonna say yeah there's like enough moss here like the the rocks and stuff have like glowing moss that puts off this dull glow that gives it a nice dim light to everyone and it's basically you know lit up so that observers could watch these things and not be like seeing him in the dark so yeah it's 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 a very dim pulsing green glow i'm going to turn towards everybody and like like motioning for them to follow my lead oh yes follow the lead a good exploration mm-hmm. activity to use there so sezik leaves you here so it's like i'm not going any further than this this is definitely dangerous territory but my contacts on the other side of the hydras in the water he's a sarglagon it's kind of like a water devil he That's resides what... in the deep end of the pool under under the surface just tell him sezik mm-hmm. sent you He'll know what to do. I nod, and then I stealthily make my way across the cavern. Yeah. So as you guys, boop, this is like the Roger, like not Roger, the Bugs Bunny sort of like cartoon where you guys are trying to tiptoe past like the dog in the doghouse and you're the cat trying to get right past. You know what I mean? Like this is like that cartoony, shh, follow me. Doop, doop, doop. So Mukta's leading the way and everyone else is following behind Mukta trying to sneak past these hydras. So at this point, I'm just just to set the scene a little bit, uh, you guys are kind of like on the shores of this thing. There's this thin ledge that leads just past the front of the hydras and wraps around and heads south. So you guys are coming within 10 feet of these sleeping things. It is a very precarious, dangerous situation, but they currently appear to be sleeping. In fact, Clovis, why don't you make Make a secret nature check for me. 
Unfortunately, uh, you don't know anything in your studies and your travels, Clovis. Nothing comes to mind on these creatures. Like you've heard of hydras, more of a mythological thing. Definitely not something you come into in your forest and nothing you've read up on in your training. You don't really know anything about them, but just your general sense of being around creatures, they seem almost hibernating. Guys, it looks like um, looks like maybe they're hibernating. So quieter, Clovis, quieter. <laughs> so, Mukta, you want to take the lead on this stealth check? This is a very dangerous. This is the most important stealth check of your group's career. Right, it's a group check, so everyone needs to make it, including Mushi. Uh, you can follow the lead from Mukta, which would give you plus eight instead of your own stealth modifier if you want. Yep. For those of you that are wearing armor that's too heavy for you, like Clovis, that does still impose the penalty. But yeah, ooh, that was technically this should be secret, but I like the fact I'm doing it in the open because I want you guys to feel the the tension of the role, right? So I mean, we're going across either way, so this is just kind of right. Yeah. Ooh, that's a Mukta with a natural twenty, Chris and chat. Or thirty-four. Nice. Oh, Clovis did send his secret. Yeah, I left mine. No, it's still on secret. So. Hal with a natural one and. If I'm correct, you already spent your hero point? You gave him a hero point, though, I believe. Oh, he got another hero point. That's right. Mukta got a critical success, which is really good. Uh, Nulara got a 22, which is decent. Hal bumped his from a natural one and an 11 up to a 16. Uh, Mushi will be using his own. His own stealth? Okay. Yeah, Mushi's stealthier than you. Okay. So here's here's how it goes, right? I will reveal now to everyone Clovis's dice roll, which was oh, a five. Uh, Clovis, Clovis uses hero point. I was going to say, you have a hero point, so you can right-click that and, and do the use hero point. Or just re-roll it. Your choice. So Mukta is, like, leading you guys. What would the marching order be? Mukta's taking the lead. Who's following in what order? Oh, I'm behind Mukta. Okay. So. Did you add the plus... So there's plus, Six. I'll add the seven, or what was eight, right? Eight, plus whatever yeah. my modifier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So here, here's what happens, right? As you guys are sneaking past this, Mukta, you're rocking it. Nulara is doing halfway decent. No, actually, I'm sorry. Other than Mukta, who killed this with a critical success, every single other person in the group failed. Whoa. Including... Oh, even, even Mushi? What did Mushi get? 21. 21's a fail. Jeez. Mushi fails, and so kind of the way this works is, as a group, if more than half the group fails, it initiates the encounter, and... Uh, but a critical success. Oh, that'll work. I know, but if it was close, the critical success would tip the balance, but because there's so many failures here... Here's what happens. As you're getting across the middle, one of the heads like rouses and wakes and uh, Clovis, you look up and you're making eye contact with this Hydra right here as it like one of the heads, just one of the five heads wakes up and like it looks like it's got like heavy eyes and it almost looks like it's woken up out of hibernation as it makes eye contact with you. And it, and it just goes and like roars and then the other thing starts stirring and oh my God, guys, we're rolling initiative right here against these Hydras. Everyone can use stealth because you guys were sneaking, but please go ahead and add yourself to the tracker. In fact, this battle music, I'm going to put some shadow malice on in the background for this 
this battle scene because we're going to keep the rock music yeah, motif going. All right. In fact, just for this combat, I don't usually do this. I'm going to give each Hydra their own their own sort of uh, initiative. Oh, really? That's a 20 for Mukta. I guess I burned my natural 20 too soon. <laughs> 16 Jeez. for me. All right. Man, so our Wednesday rolls. The tenseness of this situation unfolds as you guys arouse the hydras here in this zoo-like encounter. The hydra that saw Clovis first, um, and it's it's looking very lethargic. It looks at you like Clovis, and like this one eye head that's awake first that all the others are still arousing, it lashes out and it makes a bite attack at you, Clovis. Oh. So, this is a fang attack. That, oh, I have it on blind. Uh, that's a 19 to hit. That's a miss. That's a miss. So the the, uh, the head comes down. You interpose your shield and bash the head back. That's all it gets to do for its turn. Clovis, you're up next. So a 20 for 20 foot burst. If I hit in between those two, would I get both of them? Uh, yeah. Okay. I'm gonna throw a fireball and. Uh, oh. Go. They are fully submerged in water. I will say. Other heads aren't out of the water. Uh, the heads are on the surface, but the rest of their body is submerged, so they might get some sense of bonus just from being in water because you're throwing a fireball. But it's still not a bad option. I'm just pointing it out there. Yeah, yeah, no, thank you. So, uh, all right, so that's a DC 22 reflex save. All right, so I'm going to place the burst so we can see this awesome graphics for the explosion. Oh, Fills the space. So I'm going to move it up a little bit so it doesn't hit Mukta. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know Clovis doesn't care about AoE on allies anyways, but the fireball in the middle. <laughs> hey, look, I said I'm doing it between them. Yeah, you can hit there, it explodes, so they got to make uh, reflex saving throws. So that's a success, but it's not a critical success. And the other one is a failure. So one takes, f one's going to take full damage, the other one's going to take, even with a plus two circumstance bonus. I don't know if Pathfinder, maybe in chat someone can tell me, do you take half damage because you're in water from fireball? I don't know. I don't know if that's an actual, actual rule. Fire. So, I mean, but that's uh, that's uh, twenty. Pretty important part of the body. Of, yeah, it's true. Yeah. And this actually, you know what? This is a very interesting point here that I need to say. In Pathfinder, the hydras, right? The body and the heads are distinct things. So each head of each of the five head is its own target. So you can target a head specifically, or you can target the body when you're trying to attack it. Okay, so keep that in mind. Uh, but the one Hydra takes, I'm just gonna, you know, 20 points on one, 10 points on the other as the fireball whoosh, burns. All of the heads like get singed. You watch as all these heads, Clovis, they all get burned. They like writhe around in pain. Each head takes 10, 20 points of damage, or sorry. Each head takes 10 points of damage. Over on the other one, each, uh, like the some of the heads like burn. You've hurt like the whole Hydra as a whole. Uh, but that was nice. two actions, right? And then I'll raise my shield. Oh, uh, uh, but wait, as you do that. Okay, so I need to look at the slowed condition real quick. Slowed condition means you don't have, it doesn't take away your reactions from what I can tell. So as you go to cast fireball Clovis, the head strikes out and opportunity attacks you. Oh. So if this is a critical hit, it will interrupt your spell. Let's see. Nope. It's another miss. So the spell goes off, burns them. 
Uh, they each take you know 20 points of damage on the Ditzy Hydra, 10 points of damage on the Sensible Hydra, and you raise your shield for your last action. That is correct. Very cool. That takes us to Hal. For I'll translate, that's lingering composition, inspire courage on the group. You really threw out that voice in your singing performance, Hal. <laughs> it was so epic, you know? Yes. Uh, 22 is a success, so you guys get three rounds of uh, Inspire Courage, you said? Okay, mm -hmm. Courage, not Defense. So go ahead and pop that in chat so they can drag the effect to their token. So I have it set up so you can just drag the three-round Inspire Courage to your tokens, guys. Um, and that's one action. You still have two Thank actions. You, that was second action. But I read your lips. It said shield. Yes. Okay, I took that feed. I can read lips. All right, that leads us to this next Hydra. Um, oh, actually, yeah, so as you like blast these things with damage, Clovis, they seem to like, it seems to wake them up a bit. So they both get yeah. woken up a little bit and become a little more conscious as well. All the fire damage, all the heads that were burned, like immediately like heals up and all the heads are back to fully healed at the end of your turn and at the end of Hal's turn. So the sensible Hydra here, like sees, like, sees you waking up, see what's going on. It's, it uses this action to sort of like swim here and like get up on the land and kind of block where your guys are going. Yeah. But that's all he gets cool. to do on this turn. It's pretty sensible. <laughs> yes, it is a sensible Hydra. <laughs> At the end of his turn, he uses the Hydra regeneration ability. So it has five heads, so it heals 15 hit points. Uh, this Hydra heals back up to full. Okay. Okay. Uh, but as it's slowly waking up, that's all he gets to do. Uh, Mukta. Going to quick draw with my bow. Okay, quick draw bow comes out. And shoot the, the sensible one. It acted before you, so it is not flat-footed. All right. I think, yeah. But yeah, it's not flat-footed to you, unfortunately. Ooh. Oh! Let's go! But that's a it have sneak attack, because it's not flat-footed. Yeah, unfortunately, it doesn't have sneak attack, but it's still a critical hit. Crits in chat, roll the damage. Uh, you have, now, like, here, wait, Mukta, are you targeting, what are you targeting, the body or the head? The body. The body, okay. So, 23 points of damage to this Hydra. Hits the and body. It's also pinned against the cavern the wall. Oh my god, you're That's right. Cool. Due to my right. weapon specialization. Oh, does that work on larger creatures? Does it I say? No idea. I don't think it restricts it based on creature size. So, the arrow pins the Hydra right through its body, and it pins it against the like clear wall. And it's like, oh, it's pinned. This Hydra can't move. Its heads are snapping towards you, but it can't reach you. Nice. All right, and then I'm going to... I can move through allies, yes? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, I wouldn't actually be able to go anywhere. Let's see. 5, 10, 15, 20. Yeah. No. Yeah. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn towards the Hydra. No, first I'm going to actually uh, take one hand off my bow. Okay. Sorry, this is the first time that I'm doing this. I'm not sure actually how this works, but I'm going to wave my hand in the air, say an incantation, and cast shield. Oh. oh. Now, this is new. Mukta up to this point has not used any sort of spells before, right? No. So no. I think this is there's a, a quick momentary flashback to you in Morley Bent's like office, right? And what do we see going on? He's instructing me to care for the, this uh precious magic book we start to talk 
about spell work and how it works and um, my interest is peaked and I suddenly start to take more interest in how he uses his spells and eventually we get to talking about the basics of spell casting and uh, he teaches me a few cantrips but, and he gives me a small uh, leather bound tome to use as a spell book very awesome alright uh, that's all three reactions right Mukta? no that was one action to quick draw you're right. You shot one action. <laughs> and so after I cast shield, I'm going to then turn towards the other Hydra and point my bow at it, and I'm going to aid Nulara by uh, fainting the Got it. attack. Perfect. And well, my... very cool. Nulara, you see this familiar thing where Mukta is, like, setting up a feint for you. You know about this. With a ditzy uh, Hydra, correct? Yes. Okay. He's far. <laughs> How deep is the water? At a glance, it looks like right on the shore where you are, it kind of slopes down, but any further than that, you'll be like fully submerged. So if you move one square up, you're in like greater difficult terrain, but you can still be like half above water. You'll just be on like... Because that would pose a a penalty on my attack though, no? I don't think being in the water, especially because it's just waist up. uh, Oh, only with a swimming, no? Yeah, you're not fully swimming if you just kind of barely engage. Sweet. Seeing our move, our teamwork, I'm going to uh, take a step towards the Hydra. Okay. And with Encore's Blade, I'm going to hit it. So, let me ask before you attack, right? Are you attacking the body or the head? The body. You're attacking the body. Okay. Uh, and I will uh, make my feint now. Yep. So, make your deception check, right? DC 20. Per, uh, uh, that... That is a failure, so that gives no benefit to Nulara's attack, unfortunately. This is not you, a critical failure. You think one of the heads, <laughs> but, you know, not the other. Uh, and Nular, go ahead and make your attack with no bonus from Mukta, unfortunately. No worries. Uh, 24 to hit. 24 hits. Oh, perfect. Ooh, okay. Graphic. So, that was awesome. I know. Yeah, doesn't uh, that you have some awesome features? Slashing damage. 12 points of slashing damage. It takes the full 12, like, cut across the body. You open a wound and blood starts dripping into the water. It's And it wakes up even fuller now. Oh, boy. Perfect. Every uh, time you guys hit action. it, they seem to wake up more. Yeah. Uh, third action, I'm going to raise my shield. Okay. That's it for my turn. Perfect. Second round of combat, top of the round. The Ditsy Hydra uh, starts waking up a little bit more. It has five heads, and so it regenerates 15 hit points. Take off it gets all, almost all your wounds sh- reseal on it, Nulara. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, all your all the wounds from you did, but he took damage from the fireball, so it's still slightly hurt. But like you see, as you cut through it, sh- something is regenerating and causing these wounds to heal. And it's still like kind of groggy. And so as you like step forward and sliced it, um, it has it looks between you and your blades. It, it looks at you, and it looks at the juicier target, and one of the heads lashes out to get Clovis. Is it so a Clovis, ranged attack? <laughs> it is not. This is just okay. a melee attack with its uh, jaw, its fangs. They're able to, they're with their heads, they're able to go 10 squares, or 10 feet, huh? At least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you're only 5 feet away from it anyways, but they have long reach on their heads. Yeah. Uh, Clovis, that's a 31. That's a hit. Are you going to use your reaction to shield block? Yes, let's do that. Okay. So you are going to take 
14 points of piercing damage. When you assign the damage, make sure you click the block icon and then assign the damage to you and it'll split it between, it'll reduce it and split it between you and your shield. Cool. If you've seen my Foundry Quick Test video, you know exactly how to do this. I guess I better watch that. All right, I'll do it for you. So I'm gonna click block and then I'm gonna click your token and click damage. It's going to apply the damage to your token. So your, your shield reduces the damage by three. So you and your shield each take 11 damage. Okay. I think Clovis, your sh the, the, the shield catches the blow, but it shatters your shield and, oh. and your shield breaks in one strike. And so you no longer have a functional shield uh, that you can use to like absorb damage, but it absorbed a little bit of damage. Uh, but that's all it gets to do for its turn. Clovis. All right. Uh, Clovis is going to move 30 feet. Okay. As you go to move away, it strikes at you. Ooh, it was almost a natural 20, but it's a miss. Uh, actually, technically, it's a hit because you don't have your shield anymore. Right, so 24. Yeah, and your AC is 24. Yeah, so it hits exactly. So you take another 11 points of piercing damage and go ahead and move away. Okay, so you move away, and then, yeah, then what? It's only 25, so I'm gonna move right there, 30. And I'm going to cast Lightning Bolt, and that's going to go between, with the angle, it should be able to hit Bolt. I think technically that's 35 feet, and you only have 25 feet of movement. Uh, it was 25 right where it was at. Oh, I only have 25? Because you were here, right? If I measure, that's 35 feet of movement. Oh yeah, moving, 25 uh, feet gets you here. Yeah, moving back there. That's fine. Yeah, because you're wearing the heavy armor now, so you lost five feet of movement. That's right. Forgot that. Yeah, uh, go ahead and put lightning bolt in chat. This is going to be a cool graphic. So here is... Here's this lightning bolt. Zaps out from Clovis. Blasts oh, through the Hydras. Nice. I don't know why it's purple, but it... <laughs> I mean, I thought it was going to be like a bluer, but the purple color looks ah, cool. cool. Uh, so they're going to make reflex saving throws. Both fail. Nice. Go ahead and roll the damage on that. All right. So with the lightning bolt, am I able to just, I'm going to go for their heads. I want to hit all their heads. Well, it's different when it's like an AOE. So let me see how that works. Okay. Well, you can either target both their bodies or you can target one head on each. Uh, yeah, that I'll is what I roll. bodies. Okay. So uh, did you roll the damage yet? Yeah, roll the damage Not yet. Wait. Okay. Ruling. 29, 29. damage on both They both take full damage. The one that's pinned, that Mukta is like uh, pinned and like hit, looks really bloody to this point. It's looking pretty hurt. Nice. Okay. Freaking shield cool, cool. busted, man. That pisses me off. <laughs> <laughs> but how? Even though your voice is hoarse, you still manage to somehow insult. Are you insulting the sensible one? Or the, the ditzy one? The ditzy one. Ditzy one, okay. So, uh, you make a ranged spell attack against it. Go ahead. You entwine magic with your voice, causing your taunts and jibes to physically harm your army. And are you targeting a head, or are you targeting its body? Okay, so that's a hit, for sure. Go ahead and roll damage on that. Oh! That was a nice looking dice. 22 points of sonic damage. So Hal, as your voice echoes and goes into one of these Hydra heads, it looks at you and it goes pop. The whole head pops and explodes and the like uh, stump of a head like slopes down into the water. This Hydra only has four heads left. Nice. Pop, pop, pop. That's two actions. You still have one action. Shield. Okay, shield. shield yeah, perfect. Okay. 
Uh, so the sensible Hydra gets to go next. It has five heads, so it heals 15 hit points. It's no longer fully bloodied, and it uses its one and only action it has, and uh, it's going to try to uh, remove the, uh, the arrow that's pinning it. 33 is a critical success. The like, head reaches down, yanks his little arrow out, and tosses it across the cavern. It's now, at the end of this turn, it's fully awake. It's no longer drowsy. It's no longer slowed. Mukta. All right. Um, I'm going to stride over there. So I think at this point, it wants to strike against you, but I think you have a feature that allows it not to, right? Correct. Uh, no, I only, I move my full movement, so it's, it's able to. Okay. I, it's only if I move half movement. Got it. So it is going to use one of its reactions to strike out at you as you move away. It used one did reaction. Did it use as, it to Clovis? It did, but a different head strikes at. Ah. Oops, I didn't target you. That's a 35. Uh, that's a crit. So it actually is going to stop you from moving, I think. Uh, so I'm going to roll critical damage as the fang strike on you. Uh, that's 36 mm. points of damage, Mukta, and it stops you from moving. Oh, boy. Cool, 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 cool. You know you can strike half your distance and not take the damage, and not take the opportunity attack. There's still three. But that's I guess. 10 feet of movement, so it's like, what's the point? Um, yeah. I already moved, so can't really take that back. But, um. Sure. Yep. So that interrupted one action down the drain stuff, too. 36. Cool, 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 cool. Um. I'm going to. Use Recall Lord. Recall knowledge, cavern lore. Cavern lore against. Perfect. This. Make that. What are you trying to? What are you trying to learn about them? Weakest uh, resist, like res, weakest damage. Some unique trait about them. Uh, okay. Yeah. The funny thing is, is like I know you guys probably know how hydras work in five e, but I don't think you guys have any idea how hydras work in two e. So this is a good recall knowledge check. Cavern lore. So, Mukta, as long as you deal fire damage to these things, they cannot regenerate their heads or their, their hit points. All right. It should have been we a secret do... check, but it wasn't, but that's what you learned. We have to do fire damage. And uh, my <laughs> last action, I'm going to... Uh, I'm going to save my fireball. Cast shield again. Okay. Oh, you had shield up last time, right? It's the start of my turn. It goes oh, to the Oh, jeez. Okay. Got it. Uh, shield. I believe yep. that's how it works. Yeah. I think you're right. Yeah. And shield is just verbal, right? I, that's what I was trying to find out. Oh, yeah. Verbal only. Verbal only. So it does not trigger uh, an attack. Okay. That takes us to Nulara's turn. Oh, it's my turn already? Shit. Okay. I know. <laughs> so I'm going to... Okay. I'm going to attack the ditzy hydra that's right in front of me. Body or head? Uh, Head. Okay. Power attacking to it. Power attacking ahead. With Anchor's Blade. So Go that would it. be uh, 31 to hit. 31's going to hit. Okay, perfect. Hit, but not a crit. Not a crit. Uh, 21 points of slashing damage. Slash through a second head. The other head flies across, lands in the water. Uh, it lost two of its heads now. Perfect. How many heads does it have left? Three. Three? Oh, okay. Burn it! He said it would die to fire. So my third action, I'm going to raise my shield. Okay. Shield goes up. 
All right, as you cut off this head for the second time, any grogginess this Hydra is feeling is now gone. It's fully alert. It's no longer slowed. It has all of its actions and not just the single action that it, it had before. It like looks at like Clovis that like zapped it with lightning. Hal's cut off a head, you've cut off a head. It actually turns to Yunulara. So it, as the start of his turn, it has three heads. So it gets back nine hit points. And then it's gonna use its Hydra regeneration ability. That, that is the hit points, right? So it makes a fortitude saving throw to try to regrow its heads. It fails, so it does not regrow a head. Cool. cool and cool, cool, cool. With, with its heads, it has three heads. It uses its focus assault ability. All three heads attack at you, Nulara. In okay. one, one flurry of actions, you are targeted by this focused assault. Oops, I targeted Clovis too. My bad. Blocking my shield. So yeah, so it's gonna deal an additional one d six for every headway on the first. Okay, so first strike. Uh, twenty six. Uh, hits. I'm blocking it with my shield. Okay. So uh, also, you get to choose if you want to be pushed back or take a flat-footed penalty. Oh, I like it. Aggressive block. Aggressive block. Can you? You can do that over creatures bigger than you. Yes, because I got that feet. Oh, that's the feet. Yeah. Look at this. You're made for this. So the head comes in, hits you. You're gonna take 15 points of damage. You can absorb it with your shield and split it. I will. And then with your aggressive block, you lean into the head and knock it. It's gonna choose to go flat-footed. Okay. Uh. Oh. Blocking damage. Okay. Okay, so you take seven through your shield and seven in your shield. The second attack is a 31. Uh, hits. For 15 plus an additional 1d6 because it uh, is this focus attack. And then Eight. its third head is going to do another attack, and that is 31 again. Hits again. 14 plus another six. So a total of. 20 damage on that last strike. So all three heads like doo -doo 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 -doo, nailed down on you. Now you're at this point you're happy there's not five heads on this thing. But flat footed. <laughs> it is flat footed and Mukta, you see it, like an opening on it, right? It's flat footed now. Um, it's actually flat footed for me anyway because of cornered fury. Whenever a larger sized creature critically hits me, they're flat footed against me for one round. Oh Yes, our new feats, but we're gonna die. Alright, Clovis. Take out the heads first. Alright, so the one in front of me there, I am going to, I believe this is from the new Secret Commanders, I'm going to cast Fortune Ray. Okay. I'm going to use all three actions, so I'm going to target three different heads. Oh, I like it. Let's it has go. three heads left. Yep. So what it is, is it's, uh, I believe it's 2d6 on the first one, and if I attack any other ones, it moves to 4d6. And don't remember it to click flat-footed. Mm -hmm. flat yeah, let me put flat-footed on the creature. I need to add. I need to use the F for flat-footed module, like my community told me to, but I haven't done it yet. I had more stuff on my mind. Okay, it's flat-footed. Uh, go ahead and make the first attack. Your first attack against the first head, uh, Clovis. Okay. Twenty-four hits the first head. Go ahead and roll damage. Three fire damage, blast one of the heads, it singes it. Second one? The second one, you, you're doing a different head for each attack? Yep. Okay, 25 hits. Oh, and my third action is a 31. 31, that's gonna critically hit. Yes. 
So roll 8d6. And you got one more. You're casting it with three actions, right? Yeah, I did three yeah. actions. Yeah. So the second and third heads pop, leaving this thing with one head. Perfect. Uh, is there anything else on a crit? Still double damage. Yep, that's it. Okay. Woo! How with the... Oh, you can, one action to continue the biting words. Go ahead and make that spell attack. Are you targeting the last head? Okay. That's a hit. Whoa. The last head pops. So this thing has no heads, but all of its its body's still there. It's still alive. It's just all its stumps are going around. No more biting attacks from this thing. Oh, Ooh. nice. Two action magic missile. Nice. Get him, Hal. This is a level one magic missile, right? But uh, I love the effect. So it's it's forty four plus one because it's two missiles per action because it's heightened, or is it only level one? Okay, so it takes seven year t so seven damage to the body. All right, it's looking pretty hurt. All right, the sensible Hydra, the one with five heads left, regenerates 15 hit points. It strides to right here, staying out of melee range with you, Mukta, and then uses its last two actions to do a focus bite, focused assault on you. Right. Mukta. So, good luck. It has five heads. That's five bites on you. Okay. First attack. That's a misses. 19, which misses. So this misses. So because it misses, you still deal one. You just take one Fang Strike damage. So you, I, I do have dodge away, however. So I can step after the strike. Okay. So you, all five heads come down. It only deals 12 damage to you. All right. And then if you want, you can use your action to step away. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for this. Like, I, I read the head attack. I thought it was one attack per head. No, it's just all one attack roll combined all the heads. Okay, that's no, the end of its turn. Yeah. Mukta. Still right. alive. Yeah, barely. Um, <laughs> I'm going to. Uh, so all the heads are gone, right? From this. Yeah. Oh, but I'm in range. I'm going to move half my movement. Yep. You, you spend yeah. 10 feet carefully doing nothing triggers. Uh, nothing triggers. 10 feet there. Uh-huh. And then my last action, I'm going to shoot the uh, ditzy body. Good. And Nular, does your flat-footed last until the start of your turn or the start of its turn? My turn. Okay. Then it it's doesn't matter. It's, it's flat-footed for one round against me. Because and you haven't taken... I thought you took that round already, no? No, not yet. Okay. Go for it. Flat-footed, go for it. Please, you got it. Yes. That's a 35. That's a critical freaking hit. Nice. It's Roll cold. that damage with your precision damage from sneak attack. Fuck That's yeah. 42 points of damage. Sorry, can we cuss here? <laughs> you can do semi -cuss. So yeah, a lot of damage oh, tears yeah. through this thing. It doesn't kill it, but it hurts it a lot. It's on its last like death, like it's on its last legs. Unfortunately, it's not near any wall, so it doesn't get pinned, I don't think. Unfortunately, that is the, the truth. It doesn't get pinned anything. Oh, you know what? Its foot is on the shoreline, and I did say that the shoreline was shallow enough, so I think you're able to, to pin, like, one of its feet right against the, like, you pin it down against the, the shoreline. It's held there on the shore. It also can't move unless it uses an action to break out of the air. All right. Why not? You earned it. Take a hero point, Mukta. All right, let's go. But we only have 10 minutes. That's my turn. All right, Nulara. 
Power attacking with Ancora's blade. Do it. It's flat-footed. Oh, it's not flat-footed because of the start of your turn. Hero. Hero point. Do it. Hero. Yeah, only hero point. You got 10 minutes. You might as well spend your hero point. Yeah. <laughs> oh. That's a bad use of hero point. Oh. Never mind. You turned a hit into a miss. I did. I did. I oh got greedy. Oh, my gosh. Uh, All right. Your, your power attack misses. It does. It's raising my shield. Okay. All right, at the start of its turn, it heals zero because it has zero heads, but it is going to try to use its Hydro Regeneration ability. It makes a DC 25 save. It fails, it does not regrow a head. It can't do anything except for flail around. Clovis. Like those balloons in car, car dealerships. Clovis? Are you guys um, just thinking if I should try to burn the heads or? Go for the body of the one that's injured. We can we just could kill that one first. All right, so the one right in the front of me, the Syrian light on it. Okay. Go ahead and make that attack roll. Uh, that's a hit. Twenty-two uh, points of damage. You blast this thing with the searing light and the fire blasts into this thing. It rises, the whole like body gets singed and the whole creature goes below the water. It is defeated and dead. Yeah. Yes. 